Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture, urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Kelly Williams agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate and investment business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front, and by no sales, I mean no courses, no guru shit, right? I do expect you to come and sell the shit out of your properties, but no sales from the front, no stale coffee, Ben Gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. Last deal was done in the group in 1965. That's not this group. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully also education. And if you enjoy this podcast and you haven't already, give it a like and please, please do share it and review on iTunes. And I do want to take a moment. I did post it to the RDI page today. We now have 15 reviews. I want to thank everybody who went out and reviewed it because I know iTunes don't make that shit easy. So thank you so much. It really does help. How Apple works is they basically say, fuck you. And you get (laughs) downloads. And to get ahead, you need to get reviewed as often as possible. So if you like the podcast and you want to keep it going, I didn't make the rules. If you could, go ahead and review. If you're going to give me a shitty review, though, hey, maybe send me a, a comment and let me improve a little bit first. Go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. And very shortly, we're going to be on YouTube and you can go watch us on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. Again, that's going to be lagging for probably three to six months. All the videos get edited. I finally hired somebody. It's all going to go up. Good audio. I'm sure I'm going to run into more problems before I figure it out and all that, but we're heading the right direction, folks, and I really appreciate your patience with that. And you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Jeremy Burgess. Snapchat. Snapchat. Legal disclaimer. All you... Damn wimps. All right. No way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer, attorney, and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. All right. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And generally, I try and go with one that my guest likes. And this week, we're going with one that Dennis picked. Work like there is someone working 24 hours a day to take it all away from you. Mark Cuban. Work like there is someone working 24 hours a day to take it all away from you. And let me introduce you to my guest, Dennis Fassett. And sorry, folks, my notes for whatever reason did not show up on Evernote, so I'm doing this from Evernote and Gmail at the same time. So bear with me here. Uh, Dennis is a husband, father, and family man, and his day job, he's a director of the enterprise IT fraud organization at Ally Bank Downtown. He's also the founder of Speyside. Did I get that right? Speyside Partners, a diversified real estate company headquartered in Southeast Michigan. At present, his primary real estate related activities include overseeing a portfolio of 36 rental units, wholesaling off market properties in four different markets in the U.S., growing his real estate related startup called RentBiz. This is just on Monday, doing contract consulting for a national real estate education company and writing a weekly article for the realestatemogul.com website. Dennis is a published author of a book on rental properties called How to Buy Your First Set and Forget Rental House. He earned his MBA with a concentration in finance from the University of Southern California, 
has over 25 years of broad-based experience in investment banking, corporate finance, and information technology. He got started in real estate investing in 2004 as a way to create a safety net for his family when the automotive industry started to crash and burn. On a personal note, he's been married for 24 years. He has a wife and a bunch of kids. In his spare time, he plays ice roller hockey during the winter and golf during the summer. He is a huge Detroit Red Wings fan, and he thinks Jimmy Howard sucks, and I can verify that. That's uh, that's one of my great joys in life is watching Dennis trash Jimmy Howard on Facebook. I I don't know why I get so much pleasure out of it, but I just do. He does suck. The Red Wings are my weakness. They really are. I had to quit watching them, man. They tore me down. They tore me down. Anyway, went with nothing to pitch. Go to DennisFacet.com. Com. Dennis Fassett, D-E-N-N-I-S-F-A-S-S-E-T-T.com. I highly recommend you go check out what he's working on. Thanks for your time here today, Dennis. And we are in his backyard. Listening to the birdies and the squirrels. I'm smoking my first cigar in over a year, and it's pretty awesome. For those who might be interested, it's a Perdomo 10-year anniversary champagne. Champagne edition. And what are you smoking, Dennis? I got the, the Perdomo Churchill bourbon casket aged or okay. cas- cask aged all right yeah these are i remember why i like these things so much yeah so all right dennis so thanks you i appreciate the time thanks, well, for Jeremy, the time. thanks for coming by i appreciate it and it's nice to sit on the backyard with you and smoke a cigar and catch up a little bit oh man yeah i, I remember that yeah, i really like this oh <laughs> boy i'm gonna have to be careful all right so let's um as close to the beginning 2004 obviously you're a corporate guy right you went usc Trojans all the way, and you went the whole kit and caboodle automotive industry. I was six fully, figure job. I was fully engaged, and you know, if I I don't want to go too far back, but you know, we grew up um, city Westland, really in the shadow of the hood. It's bad, terrible area now. Six of us, you know, my my mom and dad and four of us kids in a nine hundred square foot house, um, and just an awful area. And uh, my mom. You know, my parents never went to college. My dad did some trade school. But my mom, starting in first grade, was like, Dennis, you need to get good grades. You need to get a good, you know, get a good education. You need to go to college and, and get a good job. Yeah, that's what everybody says, right? From first grade. And so I'm the oldest. I'm very rule-based, right? And so I go first through eighth grade, my mom tells me that. And so that's what I did. And so, um, you know, I had some, I had a, a, a segue in college. I actually got thrown out of college as an undergrad. But... Um, how did you get thrown out of college? I'll tell you that. In a okay, all right, all right. So, so I go, but the bottom line is, I've been a corporate guy for twenty five years, right? Um, and it's been, uh, and it was an inter- interesting transition in '04 when um, I started in real estate. Um, we moved. Okay, let me back up. I started in. I went to Westland John Glenn High School, right? I um, always been a good book smart kind of kid and uh, graduated in the top about seven or eight percent of my class got admitted to the university of michigan engineering program the ee program um direct admit out of out of high school which there was a it's a very prestigious thing again not to brag i just did really good grades and i you know did really well and so they said well we'd make these certain spots available i said what the hell you know i like math and science i didn't know what anything about and what engineering was or anything like that and so i said sure I get in there. Um, I flunked out. I mean, I, I flunked my first semester. I think I had a 1.2 grade point average after semester one. I flunked two classes right off the bat. It turns out I hated engineering because I didn't know what it was when I picked it. I just, I just thought that it was really cool. They were letting, giving me the spot. Problem was, is that I got a really thick head and I don't quit. Right. So they said, okay, 
you need to hit this goal second semester. And so I did. So I got off probation second semester, come back for the second year, did poorly again and talked my way through, got to the third year. You know, I've been trying to do this for three years. I, they, they allowed me to take classes outside of engineering, but, uh, I, you know, came down to the, the, my one, two, three, four, five, the sixth semester. So second semester, third year, I have to get a 3.0 to stay in school. You know, it's like black or red, right? You're, you're rolling the dice. And so I have three classes. I, I, I knew I had to get three pointers. So I took three, what I thought were easy classes. I was going to get an A minus B plus average and get my 3.0 and stay in school. Well, um, one of them turned, one of the professors turned out to be really difficult. And so I got a C. So I knew I had this C, couldn't do anything about it, but I locked that C in. And so I knew I had an A in another class. No, no wait, no, I had no idea to be in another class. And so this is the third class that I'm, I'm trying to get this A in. Right. So I, I, you know, study like crazy and I'm only focusing on this one class because my B was locked in and my C was locked in, end up with an A minus. So I end up with a three point or 2.9 grade point average. Oops. Not good enough. And I used up all my chits with the, with U of M and they said, Mr. Bassett, it's time for you to go. And so, and this is how st- it's silly, right? Perspective. I'm 20, almost 21 years old. And I think my life's over. Yeah. I'm a burger flipper now, professional. And so <laughs> I, I, right I'm, from engineering to burger flipping. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm like, you know, th- but you know, it just was a really bad situation. So in a lot of other stuff, it happened personally. My folks had gotten divorced a year and a half before one of our good friends was murdered back in the spring right before that. So it was just a terrible situation. So my brother who funny, he's the black sheep. We all got thrown out of college. All four of us kids ended up getting thrown out of college first time. So, <laughs> so you weren't alone. You're no, in good no, company. No. So, good. But I was just the first one. And so my, my, actually my brother was the first one. He went to Wayne state for a year, couldn't stand it. And so he said, I don't like telling, like, like telling other, I don't like listening to other people tell me what to do. So I wasn't a school guy. And so he moved out West, moved to Lake Tahoe. And, I, and so a buddy of mine, he had a bad experience at college as well. So we said to hell with this. We're going to move to Lake Tahoe. It's like, I don't know Lake Tahoe. Like, I know where it was on the map, but it's a casino town. And the, 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 the draw was you could go to Tahoe and be a dropout, be a drug addict, whatever you want, and still be a normal part of society. And here, if I would have stayed here with my old friends, they're going to college. What am I going to do? Work at, at, at Penny selling shoes or, you know, what, seriously, what are you going to do? Did you like fries with that? Yeah. Yeah. There weren't Starbucks around back then. <laughs> so, um, it was three weeks after graduation or gra- I got kicked out. We moved out West. We packed up our cars and moved out to Tahoe. And, uh, I tell you, Jeremy, there are, I, you know, I know some people have a, a watershed moments in their life where the, your entire life turns on one decision. Me choosing engineering was the key thing. It was an unbelievable mistake at the time, but it was the key thing that just absolutely changed the entire course of my life. Because, you know, we grew up, you're, I know you're not from here. Gina, are you from, Gina, are you from Michigan? So um, being from here, you're very, very provincial, very, very, I don't know, um, neighborhood-ish. I guess just provincial is the word. Uh, people, you know, most of my friends, God love them. They live a mile from the house they grew up in. You know, they, you know they're, it, it's just a, it, really a, a small society, which is fine if that's what you like. That is pretty small, though. But it's a big world, but it, that's what I found out. So going to Tahoe, it's like, my gosh, driving across the country. It's like, that's far away. And there's a lot of stuff in between. It's like, my goodness, I know Cheyenne, Wyoming and all these places. It's like, this is a freaking really cool country. And so I spent the, the almost three years I worked in Tahoe and then, um, I would take breaks and vacation and just drive the hell around the country in my little car. So I've been now 45 States by car. 
I haven't been to Alaska or Hawaii or Louisiana, Alabama or Mississippi. Those are the only ones I haven't been to by car. So I've seen all the great stuff in this country and it is freaking amazing. I never would have had that if I hadn't flunked out of school yeah. and picked engineering. And so um, ended up, you know, interesting thing was in, in Tahoe, I uh, parked cars for a while. I worked on the keynote desk and then I dealt blackjack for a little bit. And um, funnest job in the world for the first 30 minutes. After that, it's like you want to put a bullet between your eyes because there's nothing you can. It's all pre. It's all the same thing, right? It's the same thing. Again, again. You're counting cards and they want you to deal a hand a minute. It's like, why did I do this? You know, I was working outside parking cars. It's beautiful. Even in the wintertime, it was nice. I go inside. People blowing smoke in my face. It's like, you got to be kidding me. So, um, but the really, the, the real kind of water in my face when, when I started to get to know some of the dealers, the blackjack dealers that they had done the same thing that I did moved out there. I got, I turned 21 the day before I, I hit the ground so I could work on the, on the casino floor right away when I got there, they had done the same thing. Now they were 45. Yeah. They didn't want to do that anymore. When they looked around, there was nothing else they could do. So they had basically taken a kamikaze mission. They're dealers for life. And I'm thinking, you know, that's not really, kind of where I want to end up because they were a bunch of, they were a lot of good people, but a bunch of very lost souls not doing anything with their lives. I mean, and again, totally fine. If that's what they want, I'm all about free choice and stuff like that. You can do whatever you want with your life, but I wanted more. They were obviously miserable too, right? Some of them anyway. I would say 80% of them were, and it's really sad. Um, And I I feel bad for them. I mean, literally, and I just, but they served as a lesson for me and some other folks too, that we need to get the hell out of there. That's one thing. That seems to have been lost or glossed over for whatever reason that, well, I've made those kind of mistakes. Some mistakes take a long time to fix and some mistakes can't be fixed. Can't be fixed. That's right. why nobody tells kids this. I, everybody lies. Oh, it'll be fine. You'll turn. Sometimes it's not going to be fine. Right. Sometimes it's going to be years. And unfortunately, if you get stuck, you end up 45 miserable in a, casino so yeah so you were seeing this at like 21 we're seeing this at 21 22 and i'm like you know that's a good time to see it too right yeah you know and the sourness and the you know disappointment you could tell that they were just they'd woken up one day and realized what the hell did i do with the last 20 years of my life i love that disappointment yeah and to see it in their eyes and to see the just the dead look in their eyes anyway so got the hell out of there um and here's the thing let me and again with all due respect and and now i know we're and it's not the podcast for crybabies. If you're a crybaby, fuck off now and turn but, it off. You know, you know? But, but Michigan's the capital of being thin-skinned, though, right? So, for sure. So <laughs> this is not the podcast for you, <laughs> right? So um, I forgot what I was going to say now. No, um, I had so here. Here I am. I'm coming out of high school, getting into U of M, right into the EE program. Fifty spots. You know, I'm like I'm the guy. I'm Mr. Stud guy. I come back. I had to grovel and beg to get into Eastern grovel wow. and beg and pledge my firstborn. And I only, they only let me in on probation that I could only take three. I could only take 12 credits. I had to talk to a counselor every week to make sure I was still making progress. I had done that poorly at U of M that Eastern didn't even want me. So it's like, this is like a lifeline I'm throwing out there. It's like, there was no university of Phoenix back then. None of those online guys, but Eastern. So I come back Getting to Eastern, it was no problem. I, I got straight A's through the entire program except one A minus. God damn it. So <laughs> there's always the one. I know. And it was this, this upper level, I was an econ major. This upper level econ major was econometrics. He gave me an A, a freaking minus. 
And so anyway, so 3.997 grade point average after uh, four, three or four semesters, I, I did 40 credits or something like that. I loaded up a lot. And so very, so it was a really good experience. I kind of, you know, learned how to study and really did really well. Got in the honors program there, took a bunch of honors classes. So it was really fun. And it was kind of like, wow, this is the way it's supposed to be. And so I get out. So I graduate and it's like, what do I want to do? And it's like, well, you know what? There's a whole big country out there. My mom and dad are, well, you got to get a good job. You got Well, let me get back up. I get out. I, um, I park cars in Tahoe. And so when I came back here, I didn't want to just get a regular job. I wanted to get something that was a little bit more fun. I couldn't see myself flipping burgers or working at Penny's or Macy's or Hudson's or whatever. So I found a valet parking company and I worked at a valet parking company for the couple of years I was back putting my way through college. They did, we parked cars at London Chop House and a bunch of the really nice restaurants around. Great job outside all the time. It was great money. Um, and I also started a side business where I did parties for people, right? So I'd meet all these deep pocket folks. And again, I was a, a college guy, you know, well, you know, well-dressed and well, I was reasonably articulate, not that I'm proving it today, but uh, <laughs> reasonably articulate with folks. And, and they hired me to do parties, weddings, bar mitzvahs and stuff like that. And we would make a ton of money doing these things. And so I get out and I'm like, this is really cool. Now I can expand my business and, be, and do fun. My mom, my mom and dad are the least are the most risk averse people I've ever met in my life. My mom, same thing, you, you know, t- now it's time to get a job. You know, I had time to get a job. You got to get a real job. And it's like, well, I'm doing great right now. This is really fun, but can you do that forever? And what are you going to do? And it's like, fine. So I've heard my mom is, was a very strong presence in my life for a long time. And uh, so I said, fine. So um, I decided there were two areas that I liked best when I was traveling around the country. I love Washington, DC and I love the San Francisco Bay area. And so um, DC was my first love. I really wanted to go work for like, the Fed or some um, agency there just to be around government because it was a lot of fun. But it, it was 1988 and it was um, Reagan's last year. And so they weren't hiring anybody. They were basically letting everybody go. So there's no really no way to go east to DC. And so I said, to hell with it. I'm going to the Bay Area. My brother lived in, in somewhat in the area. So I packed up my car again and I, pff, I'm gone. And so we lived out there for, spent the summer looking for a job, got a job in the fall. You know, I tell you, Jeremy, you know, this is, and I, and the joke's on me because I've been doing it for 25 years. I took a 25% pay cut on my first job out of college. And I was making in my part-time ballet parking business and working parking cars. Yeah. Doing the right thing. Doing the, the society's thing. You talk about stupid. Yeah. And you know, and the thing is, and, and it, it, it's ironic because my first week there, I had the same feeling that I saw in the faces of the people at the casino going, this is it. It's, I'm, a That's cube, not good. I'm a cube guy forever. Yeah. But then once you're there, once you, the paycheck starts coming in, it's not like you can start a business. I mean, you, you can. I obviously figured it out. But you're, you're basically you know, in the groove and working you know, 60-hour weeks. You're starting out. It's, there's no such thing as a 40-hour week. And so I did all that. Um, you know, and the crazy thing was I went to work, work for a savings alone, great savings alone. They were, they were until the end, until they sold out the best managed SNL in the country. Well, I had kind of paved the way to go into, again, finance guy, you know, I wanted to kind of get in that area. They had a mergers and acquisitions group because they were, the thrifts were starting to fail. And so they were starting to buy other savings and loans. So I said, okay, that's a really cool group to be in, do deals, high finance. Really that would be cool. Yeah. And so I started to pay my way into doing that. So I'm there for a year and a half going on two years. 
um, really, I paved the way, I interviewed, and I, I was kind of next on the line when they were going to hire. Well, then the bottom falls out of the SNL market. All the, the Keating Five, the scandals, and the SNL, just, they blow up. Well, what happens is that a bunch of these savings loans goes out, go out of business. There are a whole lot of people that already know that part of the business that are losing their jobs. They could walk in, and they did walk into our company already knowing the thing. Not, they wouldn't have to be taught like me. So I lost my chance to go into mergers and acquisitions at the savings and loans. So I was like, this sucks. And so I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to grad school. I'm 28. My life is over. I'm never going to get married. I you know what I mean, right? Yeah. It's all these watershed events, right? It's like, I'm screwed this. I'm not going to get married. I'm an old man already. I'm going to be 30 and I'm not married. And I'm going to go be an investment banker. I'm going to move to New York City and I'm going to take it down and build my fortune. Seriously. And so um, I, I applied to USC, get in, and um, I got into Cal, Cal Berkeley's night program. And it's like, you know what? I want to go during the day. And so I don't want to spend the time working and going to school at night. It's like, I want to go during the day. So I want to go to a full-time program. So I cruised down to USC, wear shorts, 11 and a half months out of the year, you know. And you picked a good location. My, yeah, yeah. My wife was like, I didn't, my, my brother and sister-in-law didn't even know you, you owned uh, long pants for the first eight <laughs> months they knew you or whatever. It was a blast. It was so much fun. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. You know, um, orientation's awesome. We get all, the, we're all moved in and we do a bunch of social things. Uh, I had a school. Um, so orientation starts. First day of orientation happens. Everybody get your picture taken and meet everybody. Second day of orientation, I, you know, I noticed this woman I wasn't looking. I was like, I'm, I'm going to New York. I'm an investment bank and I'm not looking. I'd broken up with my girlfriends in the Bay area. And I was like, I'm, I'm all work now go down there and uh, see this woman. It's like, wow, she's really cute. Just beautiful, beautiful woman. I said, okay, whatever. It's all, I'll meet her at some point. So second day of orientation, I meet her ends up being my wife. Right. And so introduced my, she was with another friend of mine. So I kind of cozied over. I said, Suzanne, introduce me, you know, kind of, I, I got to know she, and the one thing that stood out, she had wore red lipstick. That was how I noticed, you know, noticed her and we introduced and it's like, yeah, she is really great and really smart and really, really funny, really nice. And so I think, okay, I'm going to seek her out next time. And so, um, we'd go do our things and third day of orientation comes up. I see her again. I go up to her. Hey, how you doing? She goes, what was your name again? Oh, completely forgot my name and it's like we continue to tell the story and she gets embarrassed but um hey persistence right <laughs> everything went up but you know it's all good six weeks later we were engaged wow six weeks later we were engaged in a year after that we got married so and it's, six weeks how'd you know in six weeks you know what that's a you know we were in grad school we were full-time students we spent that's right. a you were, lot of time you're a more adult right too well, yeah. but you know we were and you know the interesting thing was she said this she thought the same thing she was already an investment banker um you know in uh, in the Bay Area, and she'd gone down to school. She was in San Francisco. I was working at downtown Oakland. We'd never met. We were in the same business and never met. And so she decided she was never getting married. She's a couple years older than me. She's never getting married. She's screw it. She's going to school. Took her vacation money and and bought into USC. You know, so you guys were on the same path. Kinda. We were. We were exactly on the same path. And of course, we then neither so neither of us were looking. That's the whole thing. And we meet each other, and it's like, wow, this is really cool. And plus, we were in grad school. We had a lot of free time. And so we, you know, in a normal relationship where you're only seeing each other once a week, we saw each other every day. And so we got to know each other really well. And she had family down there. We kind of hung out with them. And and it was uh, six weeks. We were, we were engaged. And it's, it'll be 25 years in October. Man. That's so, a good story. Good story. That, that is, is a good story. story. We were the it's class. funny. You were both going the same. Like, no, we get rid of everybody. And then you run into each other. Right. Well, and then the interesting thing was is that, um, you know, the, the, my brain took a while to catch up. My goals and everything took a while to catch up to the reality of getting married and stuff. So 
I'm still on, on the path of investment banking. I'm, I'm investment banking, one, two, three. You know, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Wasn't sister in New York anymore because now that I'm married, because we got married in the second year of the program. And so I got to end up getting an investment banking job in Northern California instead. And she worked at Hewlett Packard. And it's like, this really sucks. I'm married. I'm spending 10, 11, 12 hours a day at work. I don't, who would sign up for this? Now that I'm married, it's yeah. a whole different story. And so it took me a while. So I did that for a little over a year. And it's like, this really sucks. Money was really good. But it's like, I don't, we, you know, we got married so we could spend time together. Right? I always wonder why people do that. <laughs> they get married. They spend 30 years together. They wonder why they end up divorced when they ca- count it all up. And they spent two weeks together in 30 uh, you know, years. Like, that's what, the thing. Why? We And that's a good thing. I think that's why. And obviously, you you know, we both married way above us, right? So That's, the, that's called marrying uh, smart. Very smart. <laughs> and so... You know, the, you know, I'm still really glad that we still like to hang out with each other. That's our main, that we start, we still, if we had choice, we still just go watch TV or go have coffee or whatever. So we still like doing that. So after 24 and a half years, it's pretty cool. Well, that's so. why Gene and I do what we do, all the ups and downs. We decided we didn't want to spend a life working apart for something together. It just, yeah, it didn't make sense. Now, I know a lot of people have to, you know, right. so, but whatever, but we, we didn't have kids. So now is the time to try that, right? You have kids and you have other responsibilities, you know, that, that makes it more difficult to take those kind of risks. But I understand Absolutely. completely. You didn't want to spend a life apart. You want to spend a life together. Yep. And it's been a blast. But, you know, but again, it's not without its challenges, right? And so um, we start having kids in California. We had two of our, our two oldest daughters were born in California. We realized with number three, an HP let her work at home while, while, you know what well she had the kids at home and stuff it was really an amazing situation but we realized that wouldn't work with three and so we were starting we were pregnant with our she was pregnant with our third we realized we had to do something i'm from here originally so i said you know what let's move back here better cost of living you know we were living in a 900 square foot house no basement no garage for two grand a month man yes yeah, back in 1997 yeah. it's like california economy is crazy just it's add just more zeros and everything know, and i came back i bought a house in west bloomfield they moved us back here with our cars and everything at my company. I bought a house in West Bloomfield. Our payment, tag, principal interest taxes and insurance, was less than our rent payment in California. It was a 2,400-square-foot house in West Bloomfield, right? And so it was amazing. And so, and, and everybody asked her, you went to Michigan. What do you, what do you think? And she goes, my husband bought me a house. I don't have to work anymore. I get to hang out with the kids. She goes, what's wrong with this picture? And they're going, well, yeah, I guess. And so she loves the seasons, and the kids like to play outside all the time. It's a good situation. And I still kept climbing the ladder the whole time. But I was getting, you know, but I went from high tech to automotive. So I sacrificed. I went, so we, we, we got a much better standard of living, much more fun for the kids, better schools. But my career has sucked since I've been back here. It's just been, you know, automotive. And then I went, I, I, I did hit it good in 02 when I went to work for Lear. I thought I hit the big time. Um, we put in, I got hired to build this nation or this worldwide cash flow forecasting system we wanted to plug into 269 plants and really kind of consolidate our cash flow look and uh did that and we deployed it in 27 months which was the world record we'd done a really good job with it and so i got my director pop and so i've been climbing the corporate ladder all this time finally get my director which is the first rung on the executive ranks and so i'm like i am like beating my chest it's like yeah i'm there that was of course about four minutes before the auto auto industry started to crash and burn. Okay. So I'm the newest director in the company. My company, my, our sales in our company dropped 30% in about three weeks. That's pretty bad. It was bad. And so 
they're laying off directors, they're laying off vice, vice presidents. And I'm like, I'm the newest guy. I'm looking around going, who's going to protect me? And it's like, everybody's tr- protecting themselves. They're running around protecting their, and it's like, I couldn't fault them. Yeah. It's like every man, woman, and child for themselves, for themselves. kind of situation, right? right? our company started to lay <laughs> off a hundred people a week. Oh man. Piecemeal. So they wouldn't hit the newspaper. So it wouldn't be all in one plant. They'd lay off three people here. And so it'd be spread out, spread out through the country, but it'd be a hundred to 150 people a week. It was unbelievable. And so I'm like, you know what? We and oh, and by the way, we had just taken my mom in too. My mom, we moved back here in 98, 99. My mom approached us and said, told us that she had been diagnosed with terminal emphysema. She given, was given five years to live. Very sad, obviously. Well, fast forward to 2003, she's still kicking and doing great. She, so she's hit her five years roughly, you know, 2000, which is a good thing, which is an awesome thing, but a little inconvenient too. Well, no, but, no because she, she then she comes to us and says, Dennis, I'm going to outlive my money. Could you build an addition on, our, on your house so I can live with you so I don't live, I don't live my money? And I said, I'm the oldest. And it's like, how do you turn your mom down? You bring up a good point, too. How many people outlive their money? I mean, that's scary. And, and she was really afraid of that. Yeah. And so we did that. And so we'd taken her in. So that all happens. And I get this director job and my company starts to crash and burn. And I'm like, okay, let's take a, let's take a snapshot here. Four kids under nine years old, stay-at-home wife, terminally ill mother who I'm taking care of. And I may be out of a job. I said, you know what? We're going to go buy a box and live under a bridge, you know, <laughs> because of the money we just spent on the renovation and everything. It's like, I'm, we're hosed. We are totally hosed. So I got to find something. I got to find it now. And I, you know, and this is a joke. Um, I, yeah. I told people that I would sell, I would have sold drugs to, to support my family if I could have gotten away with it at that time. I, that's how desperate I was to make some money. So um, I looked at multi-level marketing. I looked at uh, buying a business, buying a subway, um, I looked at getting a part-time job, part-time job at Starbucks, but again, not to be a pretentious dick, but I was a director. I can't go to Starbucks and get a, uh, and make enough money to even pay my mortgage payment at that yeah, point. No. It just doesn't work that way. You got way. six so, or seven dependents. You're not, you're not. It doesn't work. And so, know. um, I need to find something that's going to be a little bigger. Plus I don't have any time. My company's tanking and crashing and burning. So, and you don't work less, you work more. And so yeah. I'm working more hours. And so I'm like, okay, I got. You better look valuable too, right? 10 hours. Yeah. 10 hours a day to work and you, you, you got to be there and you got to make sure you're yes, sir, no, sirs and all this kind of stuff. So I picked real estate. And so I got my license at first and did the retail thing for about 25 seconds. It got a, got a couple <laughs> listings actually, um, and sold them, but it was like, it really sucked. I really realized, and I know, and I don't ever tell Todd Waller, I said he's right, but, um, <laughs> A part-time thing doesn't work. I, I don't. I just don't know how you could be a part-time real estate agent. It, so. If you want part-time money, if you have a family and obligation, right. well, true, true, you better be hustling. And part-time's probably not going to cut it. I just don't think that your mind. You need to have a mindset as a real estate agent that I don't think you can do personally effectively part-time. You know, I was working a job and it just it didn't work. So. So I stopped doing that and I started to use my license to my, you know, my capabilities to look up properties on MLS and public records. And that really worked well. I was with Real Estate One. They had a captive title company and a mortgage company. Mortgage company kind of sucked, but the title company was great. So I started buying rental houses. So I, I shifted gears. It's like, okay, I'm going to be a real estate investor. I want to buy rentals so I can make some money for the safety net I really need. So what do but I do? This is before the crash though, right? So this is before the crash. Oh, yeah, four. 2004, right? So January- did you see the crash coming or? I felt it coming, um, but not, you know, yes and no. I got caught with, I did a rehab that I couldn't sell. Now it's, it's been a profitable rental for me, but you know, I had one that kind of went, went south on, but it still was okay. So, so you manage your risk pretty well. 
Yeah, well, I was doing onesie twosie pretty much. Yeah, and so I'll tell you, I'll tell you about it in a second. But um, I had a pretty unique model that you can't do anymore. But um, so I start, I start being, and I've got no time during the day. I can't get out to see properties, so I start to do direct mail. It's the only thing I can spend time. So I'm staying up to one o'clock in the morning, going to work blurry eyed because I've got to get these letters out. Um, so I'm sending direct mail like a madman, and I don't know any other part of the business. I had never even looked at the inside of a house. I don't know what a rehab estimate is. I don't know how much a kitchen costs. I don't even know how much a refrigerator costs. You know? So I was like, I've got no clue. I start getting calls. Well, yeah, okay. Come in. It's like, okay, I'll go see your house. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm making offers that I literally, Jeremy, would get laughed off the phone <laughs> with these offers. I mean, these people would laugh at me. She's going, and they, one guy, I remember, $24,000. What are you smoking dope? I sent it for, I sold it for 50, like three days ago, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, damn, it's like, I guess I'm being too conservative. It's like, yeah, you think, you know, finally 11 months later, I did this for 11 months. I didn't get a deal for my first 11 months. And so thankfully I didn't get, I didn't lose my job or else I really would have been, been hosed. And this is a great story. So I get a call. His name is Reed, Ray Reed or something like that. Um, completely whacked out on drugs. Hey, I got your letter. I want to sell my house and blah, blah, blah. And East Point. It's like, great. Let's make an appointment. November, right? Gets dark a little early. So I'm going, going, I get there after work. Cause I can, I can only do after work on a Thursday. It's dusky at 630. It's kind of dusky. It's like, okay, you know, no problem. I've been, I've looked at 30 houses. I've got that looking at the house part down. I go into this house, knock on the door and I smell. And he's, I don't, and I don't, I've never done drugs. So I don't know what drugs are when you do what the smell was. It wasn't pot. I knew that, but it was something else. He had candles and incense and all kinds of fuzzle burning. It doesn't work, folks. So it doesn't work. Well, anyway, you're so, not I, covering up whatever it is. It's like, I, I, I did. And he's like, Hey, Dennis. And it's like, okay, this is one weird, weird guy. So I, I go in and the house, it's dusky outside, completely dark inside. One, one lamp, one light lamp with no shade with a bulb in it on. And that's all that's there. Carpet in the living room was all torn up all over the place. His refrigerator's gone. You know, and then there's an extension cord running through the house. And it's like, what is going on here? And it's like, and this guy's scary. He's not, he's, he's so wasted. He, you know, I, I could have taken him, but I, I probably, but I don't know. I, you know, I don't deal with people on drugs very much. I'm a corporate guy, right? You know, I wear a suit, I was wearing a suit to work, right? So I said, okay, Rod, what's going on? He goes, well, I want to sell the house. It's like, okay, I can see it's in great shape. Not. Um, it had been ransacked like crazy. It's like, well, what happened? What, what's making you want to sell? He goes, well, my mom died and it was her house. And so I want to sell it. And it's like, okay, how'd your mom die, Rod? Well, my brother beat her to death with a guitar oh right there God. where you're standing. <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> wait a second. Right here? Yeah, right there. Okay. And, and, and I looked and that's where the carpet was torn up because it, what happened to the carpet? He goes, well, the, the guys that came after the cops were here tore it up because of all the blood and stuff that was on it. And I looked on the wall and there's still little tiny blood spatters. It's like, is that, oh yeah, they didn't get all of it. And he's like, oh my gosh. And well, that might up, explain the drugs. <laughs> ends up turning, turns out though, I find out a couple years later, everybody thought the, the, the brother that allegedly killed the mom had mental issues, went off his meds. And they think, they think that this drug, this guy who was on drugs actually killed her and framed his brother. I find out later. And I'm in this house with this guy. And alone. So, alone. Yeah. With one light. And though the one light, it's an extension cord going to the neighbor's house. That's where the one light's coming from. That sounds like a Detroit special. Oh where was gosh. this? It's East Point. East Point. East Point. Yeah. The north part of East Point. And so he goes, well, do you want to see the house? And it's like, you in front of me. You walk in front of me, right? <laughs> I'm glad and so you had some sense. I had my flashlight, my little flashlight. You know, I'm going. 
and and he had ransacked everything looking for money for drugs. So his mom's room was just trashed. I mean, we ended up taking two 20-yard dumpsters of stuff out of this. And this is a 950-square-foot house. I've never seen so much stuff in a house. The, the In the basement, it was about not quite waist-deep, probably a little bit higher than knee-deep, the entire basement with stuff. That's crazy. So we look at the first floor, and he goes, well, you want to see the basement? And by this time, it's dark outside. It's like, I'll come some other time to the basement. <laughs> I'll <I'm>, skip it. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to see it right now. I trust you. Let's uh, go. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and so I said, you know, thanks for showing me the house. I'll get back to you. I'm like... Peace out. I am not, and I don't call this guy back. And so a week or so later, he calls me back. It's like, oh, great. Um, and I, so I talked to him for about a half hour, 45 minutes. I, and I tell him, it's like, listen, Rod, it's a great house. You turn into a rental. You need money. You don't have a job, whatever. It'd be a great rental. You know, you ought to just clean it out and rent out to somebody else. Oh, think about it. Okay. Okay, great. I'm, I'm done with them. So I'm never going to hear from him again. A week and a half or two weeks later, this has been 04, so I don't remember when exactly the timing, but he calls me back. I don't, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to do it at rental. So I want you to buy it. It's like, all right, I can only give you, and it's like, okay, what number can I tell him it's going to be so freaking low? I'm really good at these lowball offers, right? You'll I never said, call me again. Yeah. And yeah. I said, all right, I'll give you, best I can do is like $43,000 for it. And he's like, Okay. It's like, oh, damn it. Yeah. I should have said 33. Well, and then I went back and I said, you know, then again, I had to go back to having to sign the contract. And it's like, and there was some other issues. I said, listen, I got to take five grand off of this. I, I, I made a mistake. And he goes, okay. It's like, I can't get away from this guy. You said the magic so, words. I made a mistake. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that is yeah. the magic word. Those are magic words right there. Oh my gosh. So, um, and so I am now doing my first deal. I, as soon as I got home, from having that contract signed, I threw up. Oh, first deal, right? Yeah. It's like, what the hell am I doing? I don't want to think about houses. I don't know what you know. What if it's what if you know all this stuff happens? And so I actually threw up two more times uh, the day before closing and then the day after because I was like, what the hell am I doing? My wife's like, what are you doing? Just go, you know, make it a rental house like you're doing. This is not rocket science. And she's been the voice of reason ever, you know, since that time. And so, uh, it's funny, funny story again, an add on. So the neighbors, I got a busybody neighbor over there. Well, are you going to tell any of your tenants that somebody got murdered in that house? It's like, I'll tell you what I'll do. It's like, no, I'm not. And I said, listen, if I can't rent this house, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to get the biggest, baddest, worst section eight tenant I can possibly find with the biggest dogs I can find. And I'm going to put them in this house. If I can't rent it to a normal person, never heard another word. Yeah. That you know Never. what? You're doing just fine. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Dennis. Never heard another word from him. And I've been a good neighbor. I keep the, you know, keep the grass cut and everything like that. And so it's been a great rental since, uh, rented it in 2000, early 2005. First so, deal was a murder, murder house. house. Murder and you, house. The, I hate to say love, but I love that you were standing in this spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right there. Right, right there, here. Right where you're standing. Oh my gosh. Check the time. I got to go. You want to see the basement? Nope. Nope. Not, not <laughs> it's fine. You. Not Looks good from the day. outside. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, that could have you could have been on uh, uh, I don't know one of those shitty uh, I got true crime called shows. for a, a a real estate reality TV show about that and they asked me if I I was somebody that looked for that stuff it's like no Look that one just it. found me yeah. so yeah I target murder houses it's like yeah it's like it's, it's kind a of a niche thin market. market a thin <laughs> thin market except in the city of Detroit on the <laughs> yeah. east side right so yeah you could have all those for so, free though but anyway so that was my first that was my first deal um and you know it's amazing how when you do your first deal, the sun, the clouds part, the light shines, the angels sing. It's like, this is freaking easiest thing I've ever done. Why was I making it so hard? You kind of get it. 
right? And it's in that. So I, 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 the second one followed shortly after that. Third one followed shortly after that. And then I went and bought six or seven of them in about eight months or whatever, and just really built, built up my rental portfolio. And the cool thing was back then. So we're in the middle of a crash, go through the crash. And so what I did, and it was kind of before the banks kind of got smart, I'd buy them for cash. I started out with my home equity line of credit. And that's why I bought the first one, um, bought it for cash. That one took a little bit longer because I was uh, to save a couple bucks. I did the rehab myself while I work in a full-time job and it only took five months, you know, paint and carpet rehab when I could have been had it rented so far. But so I refinance it and pull the cash up, pull the cash back out, all of my cash back out. And so I started to do that again. And it's like, this has got to be illegal. I'll tell my wife, it's like, do you think this is okay to do? I talked to my loan guy. He goes, no, it's totally fine. And so I wasn't even taking as much as they wanted to give me on these houses. So I went and did it again. I buy, I take the money after I refi and buy another house and take the money when I refi and buy another house. And it's like, I got none of my own money. And this is looking pretty good. Finally, the last one, put my money out, put the, the home equity money back in the account. And it's like, I've now got at that point, eight rentals and not a dime, some rehab money in, but probably a couple thousand dollars of my own money in all these houses. And this is pretty cool. It's about I'll never be able to do it again. Cause right when I did the last one was when they, they changed it to uh four mortgages per person yeah. and no more cash out refis with, the, uh, I think it was a year. They changed it to the, the rule of years. So. Yeah. They had all a bunch of seasoning. I remember cause that, yeah. that was when that was like the second gutting of my business. Right. Like, really? <laughs> well, yeah. So much of it is built on the cash out refi in a certain amount of time. And for a lot of people, especially people who didn't have W2 jobs, it wasn't, it was just no, right. Not no amount of time. How long? Too bad. So sad. It was just right. Re- it got right. so conservative there. Right. Right. And that was another thing. And that's when I, I, what you remember, I went in, there was a really weird time in the market. So I, I started to teach stuff. I said, I'm not buying anything else. So let me teach people. So I, I did the rentals seminar and stuff like that, which was a lot of fun. Um, did that for a little while, uh, bought an apartment building in there. Um, and really when, um, my mom passed away, finally passed away in 2010 and after living with us, it was just an awesome experience, but we had a lot of debt after that. And so the, we had, she passed away in 2010. So 2014 comes along and it's like, we hadn't made a dent in any of that stuff. And I got my kids at Brother Rice and Mary in. So, you know, we, we are not going on vacation every year. I'm driving a 2001 car. Not that that's bad, but it's like, I want to be able to, to, to be able to take my family to dinner once a year, you know, I mean, just small things are really good. So I said, I got to do something else. So I'd done some wholesaling onesie twosie over the, over the time period, but I can't get out to see houses during the, during the week. And so I'm getting killed by you full-timer guys. Yeah. But just probably so you guys are full-time. You guys get out there. And by the time I'm get, I get there on the weekends, they're like, nah, I sold it to that Jeremy guy three days ago. Right. And so more power to you. So I finally, in talking to Ron and Steve Londo, Ron Walraven, it's like, well, why don't we just partner up and we'll do that? And it's like, duh. Had I known that. Which is a great 10 idea. 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, and so now, you know, and so, which is really cool. So again, so then it's like, again, the clouds part, the light shines, angels sing. And so now I got this wholesale business, Jeremy, that is absolutely freaking unbelievable. You know, we've got close 14 deals so far this year. I put over a hundred grand in my partner's pockets since then, just this so far this year. Now, no, not, a, not in there. I've made over a hundred grand total. And we split. So we're, we're doing really well that way. I'm in, in addition to this market, I'm in three other markets mailing into with partners doing the same thing. We've got five deals under contract in those markets right now. I just started it off the fourth market. So nothing's happened in there. And then this other one guy I got in Phoenix, he's kind of pussyfooting around. He likes to do the slow drip approach. And so we've got six things going on there. I don't know if any of them are going to close. So, 
but that's what I'm doing now. That's what, so I'm, I'm a direct mail maniac now. And so again, like we talked before we got on the, uh, we started recording and, so, and aside from the rentals that I bought, I haven't been inside to see the, see the inside of a house in two years. It's interesting. So repeatable, mm-hmm. scalable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And all the mistakes being made, or if it's not repeatable, it's a mistake. Right. And if you can't scale it, it's a mistake. You know, like the first seven years of my career, you know, like, oops, right? I made those mistakes too. I had a job, right? Right. Repeatable and scalable, you have a business. Otherwise, you have a job. Yep. How did you come to the conclusion that you were going to branch out into other markets and find other wholesale partners are you just trying to reduce your risk or you know that's another thing you know it's, what made you come to that decision you know it's my my rock-headed stupidity that i didn't again i should have thought of this five years ago but you know what i do to again i'll give myself a little bit of credit every year i i spend normally the month of december doing what i call a process decomposition on my business i i break down my business into the component steps what i'm doing and I look at each one of them in a vacuum, say, I just want to do this. What is there a better way to do it? And I just chunk through what I'm doing to try and think outside the box on every single piece of it. To, so to look at it at a different angle. And I've talked to, you know, Todd Waller and I do a mastermind. We, we get together every five or six weeks for coffee. I meet with Andrew Kuhn as well, who's a great friend of mine and he's a smart guy. Um, and so I bounce ideas off of these guys too and just hit me. It's like, well, I, I was looking for ways to, to increase my volume. Right. Cause I've got the time. I'm not looking at houses. I'm basically sending letters and cards out. It's like, I got a lot more time to do that. I've got the process down where I do some of them myself. I outsource some of it, but you know, it's not taking all my time. So I want to, I want to do something that'll ROI. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to look at other markets. I started with Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo sucked. I could, didn't get a mail to the mail to those areas for a year, not get a single deal out there at all. And I don't know why. And it still bothers me that I, I haven't figured out why great partners out there. I had four guys I was working with all of them, really good guys, all experienced wholesalers. We couldn't close the deal. I think cause the market's really hot. Um, I mean, hotter than it is here. I mean, they really? have, Apparently they get three to four or five offers on everything that comes up and, and, and no matter where it is, it's really, really hard. I always wonder about that. Yeah. So, that's tough to compete with. Why would they sell to you if they can sell easily? And that's the thing. And, that's so, and, and again, yeah. even the stuff that's, that's, it needs to be an as is sale. It's full of stuff. They still list that crap out there. And it's like, I can't compete with that. So stop mailing there. And so I said, okay, let me look for other areas around the country. I knew a guy in Phoenix started mailing there. We closed the second call that I got. We closed the deal and made, made a little small check there. And I said, all right, this is working. And so I picked two other markets and, and decided to do that. I'm looking for a couple more markets. So um, if you're listening, if you have, are in a um, kind of a mid-market around the country, I'd love to partner with you on mailings. Um, contact me because I got the capacity to, to keep going, right? And- DennisFacet.com. Go you. to DennisFacet.com. That's a good opportunity, folks. If Hey, don't waste his time, all right? Hustler, <laughs> motivated, willing to work. Yeah, you know, somebody right. that's closed, a, yeah. you know, a dozen deals. I don't know. I can't. It doesn't make sense for me to work with newbies remotely. That doesn't work, right? But because you probably seen the same thing. So I had an awful April and part of May here. Oh yeah, I would not. I was shocked. Nothing happened at all. I couldn't buy a freaking deal. I couldn't even five get any closings in two months, and none of them that great. Quite well, frankly, what, we had one who ended up being a decent one, but only because it was later in May. So I'm thinking. And I don't know about you, Jeremy, but it, I'm like, 
I'm never going to get another deal in my life ever. That last one was the last one ever. It wasn't right. But I get start to get freaked out because, okay, you start to get used to this the money coming in and the whole process. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm hosed. But then back in the middle of May, the phone started to ring again. And so we started to do a lot, a lot more activity. And so we got a little more irons in the fire and some stuff under contract. So that's all really good. And so that's again, what, what prompted me to then expand further and I just started, I, you know, been mailing now in the third market and in the fourth market, I just sent the first mailing out this past weekend. So it's all good. It's, it's really a lot of fun. So that's, that's what I'm doing. And what I'm really excited about right now is the, this wholesale thing. And I got, I got the capacity. And it's like, oh, I'm doing this. I mean, what's, what's simpler than sending out mail? I love right. direct response marketing, mail in particular. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you do any outbound calling? That was the next thing I want to, I'm thinking about. Um, getting into, I know I don't want to turn the table on you because, oh, hey, this is a conversation. So, we can talk right. about whatever you want to talk curious. about. I'm just curious. And, and, you you know, listener guys too. So I'm thinking about starting to do outbound calling on some of it too. I don't know if that's effective or not. It is effective. Yeah. Um, my experience has been, what do you have more time? If you have more time than money, or I recommend it's something I've been doing, I'm going to do a lot more and I'm going to add another component. Yeah. Do both. Interesting. So mail and call and email and okay. Facebook and that's a Ryan Stuman thing. As many modes of communication okay. as possible. That being said, if you just want to bang it, you can. You could just get zip codes and just start banging it. You could use something like Mojo. I've heard about that. What, what about hiring a VA or whatever? Have you any experience hiring somebody to do calls? Man, I is that less effective? Well, first of all, I have to be upfront. I am a terrible manager of people, so I have not gone this route. You just have to know thyself. If you're a good manager of people and you can get someone who speaks English pretty well, and they're out there. I guess minor details, right? Yes. We attempted to do this a few times, and a lot of people can't understand the thick accent. And you're usually hiring somebody from the Philippines or or somewhere else. VA-wise. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So English-speaking would be but yeah you can if you could manage people and you can get somebody good for not four dollars an hour but like six to eight it's still not bad it's not bad it's not bad but make sure you have all your scripts ready and they know exactly what to do and then they're not going to do it as well as you right so you're going to have to accept an amount of failure that you would find unacceptable doing it, but when you're paying six to eight dollars an hour, well, it has to plus, be acceptable, right? But you're leveraging your, your own self, yourself as well because you've got somebody else working in your business that I, I personally don't have time to call. I'd love to be able. Again, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be scared of the phone or not, but um, I seem I do okay with the folks that call me. And uh, but I just think that it'd be another interesting dimension to start doing outbound calling from uh, even the leads I'm already getting. I'm looking them up and, and calling them instead of and doing the multifaceted thing. Right? You've got the website. You've got Facebook. You've got a phone call and a postcard or a letter or something like that. It can't hurt to hit them multiple times. No, and I'm actually going to do- start door knocking too. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know another answer because I'm experiencing the same thing and actually it gets me down too. When it, not so much down, down, but uh, the uncertainty. When you're doing the same thing and then all of a sudden it stops working like at a fraction of how well. Right. Even if it picks back up, it does make you think like, what if this happens again? Right. I think I don't know why the market is so hot. It is. Right. Competition is getting very stiff. Crazy stiff. They're yeah. getting how many letters? It takes a lot to stand out. It so does. I think you're on the right track. I outbound dialing, direct mail, well, email. Are you doing stuff. the pixel stuff too? 
you know, you talk to Steve about. I started this. He's doing on top that. Of that. I started doing that, um, and I was getting a lot of traffic, but no results. I did that for. I did a ninety day trial of heavily doing it, but no, not a single deal, and not not any appreciable results. So I gave mm. up on that. I wonder so. what I wonder what Steve did differently. He's he's got several deals off of. Is that. he using? I was doing Facebook though. Was he doing? He was Google? using Facebook. He was using. Really? He is doing Google Pay Per Click too. But he he's using Facebook, hmm. and if they go to their if he if they ever go to stevebuyshousesfast.com and then they go to any of their social accounts, right. then it follows around and it right retargets them. Yeah, right? yeah, same Retargeting, thing. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He he does get deals that way. I haven't messed around with Facebook. I'm pretty. I used to be good with the Google pay per click back yeah. in the day, but but you know what these guys are spending per click now? I looked into it. It's a lot. Fifteen bucks a yeah. click. But they seem like they're getting deals out of it, which is good for them. I, I don't want to go in that space, though. I don't want to play in that space. It is expensive. So. Well, it's a space where if you make mistakes, it gets expensive real fast. Where Facebook yeah. is affordable and has Facebook a was really inexpensive. high ROI. I yeah. think the future in this competitive market is as many ways to contact someone as possible, right? Yeah. People, people are disappointing. I make mistakes. Lots of people make mistakes. Yeah. Things through, fall through the cracks. That's why it's nice to have these pixels and automated marketing and all that, and then the outbound dialing. And I'm going to add some door knocking here, um, not for the wholesale business. I'm not going to go door knock on motivated people. Then for what then? What for is- listing business. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. For listing business. So, well, the um, the, the cool thing with the, the that stuff, Jeremy, is that I like it because I'm frustrated because the stuff we're doing is passive. If you're getting out there and door knocking, you're getting you're making the phone calls. You're active. You're actually doing something not just dropping a line in the water. And I like that a lot. So the only thing I would recommend is if you can do like a combined arms kind of thing, probably the best analogy I can think of is before you drop the Marines on the beach, you're yeah. dropping bombs, you're yeah. shooting, you know, <laughs> the battleships are right. blasted. Right. And then when they hit the beach, they got close ground cover. Right. right so right, right. if, if you're door knocking, <laughs> They should have received a couple of pieces of mail from you. True, true. If possible, maybe you've connected with them in some way, shape, or form through text or Makes Facebook sense. or something. Then when you door knock. That's not a cold call. Though. Yeah, because you need to improve your odds. So that all the cold calling I've done, yeah. it's pretty low. So if you do 500 calls, yeah. you'll get something like zero to six positive responses. It's that low. It's really? that low. Wow. And out of that... Um, Generally, it takes 10 to get one mm-hmm. to the table, and that those are kind of the numbers. So, and it takes about, they just changed the rules too with the cold calling. You could use, used to be able to get through about 500 calls in three hours. Now it's more about four, four and a half. What, what do you mean, rules? They slowed down the dialing. Yeah, people don't, because you know, you pick up the phone, you're like, hello, yeah. hello, and you got to do that hello two times. Oh, got it. People are getting upset about that. Mm-hmm. So Mojo proactively started because they, they have three dialing lines going out. And there's other ones like Vulcan, too. It's not just all of them. But right, they started right. slowing down the second and third dial so there was less pickup. So it takes longer to get through Got 500 numbers. Okay. But right. you like that service, though, Mojo? You like it? Yeah, it's great. Oh, man. You, you it's can a little really spendy. Power- it's a little spendy. You're going to spend a couple hundred bucks a month. That's the yeah, downside. But you can still get through the, the calls, though. Very fast. Yeah. Okay. And you can, in any list you want, you can put it up there. And, and if you does, wanted to, you can even use it as a CRM. I don't like does, it as a CRM. Does it but. screen do not call or no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
You don't have to scream do not call, but obviously I recommend it. No, but the, but the Mojo yeah. will do that. It'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's an extra service, but obviously if you're going to if you're going to be doing do cold call, folks, yeah. you better pay for the screening. <laughs> oh you don't want to – you don't know when they're going to make an example as some poor schmuck cold calling, and for some reason this is – a world problem that needs to be solved with a gun. So be careful. It'll be a real estate agent or investor in Detroit. That'll be the corner case. And they do that. There is some blowback. I Four. found that retirees, some people, people who spend a lot of time at home. Yeah. Don't like being called. Really? <laughs> I think we're not the only one calling them. Right. <laughs> right, right. So they're probably their phones. Don't answer the phone. <laughs> you would think you would think, but I, this is not how it's interpreted. So you, Obviously, wholesale deals, you've got tough skin, but if you're listening at home, just mentally prepare yourself for why are you calling me? How do you, I get all sorts of, why are you calling me? Um, uh, how do you do this for a living? How do you look at yourself in the mirror? Yeah. You know, and you get mad, but I just don't say anything. I'm like, all right, well, you have a great day. You Thank know, you. I had a long conversation with somebody that called to yell at me about sending him a card. And I finally said, listen, you're not mad at me. I don't know who you're mad at. I said, you're letting a little card, a four by six card, get you this upset. I said, there's something else wrong. I said, I feel for you. I'm sorry to, to have bothered you, but I think you need to figure out what's really making you mad because this little postcard that you got, it shouldn't be triggering this kind of reaction. You'll like what I do. So, That's why I like working for Steve. I go, yeah. well, I'm sorry. I, I work for Steve and, you know, <laughs> I'll ask him to remove you from the list, but I'm not in charge. <laughs> Talk to him. Yeah. Third party. Like, hi, you know, yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> Throw him under the bus. That That's is. a good thing. If you don't have a partner. You need to have an imaginary partner to throw under the bus and say, because then they're not, they're not mad at you anymore. They're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. And, and it's okay. But if it's you, oh no, they're, they're not sorry at all. What's well, funny. I, um, I send a first time ever, cause I, I do pro, some of my stuff is probates. I send my first letter to a live person. <laughs> sorry. They were listed as, they were listed as deceased. And she calls me and she goes, I'm not dead. What are you doing? And it's like, I don't know. I got you, you know, blah, 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 blah. But now's a good time to sell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she goes, no, I do not want to sell my house. I'm just fine. It's in my trust. And when I die, my kids are going to get it. And she went through the whole thing. And it's like, well, I'm very sorry that I'm happy you're still alive. I'm sorry to have sent you the thing. Well, I need to get to the bottom of this. I'm not dead. And I, this is outrageous. It's like, I just got your name off this list. I'm sorry. I'm really and it's nice. So, yeah, the fine. list, the lit, I found too that. The better you can qualify the list, mm -hmm. not all lists are equal, and everybody's trying to sell you something. So you yeah. can waste a lot of time calling the wrong people. Yeah. So, and I've I've done plenty of that. So I ended up um, starting to create my own list, and so I'm a since I'm a, I've been an IT guy for a long time, data warehouse guy. I get data from a couple of different sources, bang it all together, and do some filtering and sorting, and I do my own thing. And that's that's really I'm, all it is, right? Really is. You got some criteria. You know, I've got, you think about it, I mean, doing this 04, I got a lot of data. And so I just went through and looked at all the deals I've done and tried to figure out, okay, who, you know, who's likely to, to be a motivated seller out of this stuff. And it just, it's worked really well. So, well, that, that is, I've learned so much working for Steve mm -hmm. on targeting motivation. And that's really what it comes down to. You can send out 10,000 pieces of mail a month and not get anything if you're mailing the wrong yep. people. Yep. So, uh, just for those listening, if you're, if you're going to do something like wholesaling or, or anything, you, you have to do your best to target the people using the information you have available. 
there isn't a I need to sell my house fast list. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> well, if it would, you'd have 87 people mailing to it. Yes. <laughs> so. And they wouldn't call you back anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and as soon as, as soon as it got out there, it would be worthless. Or I'll send you a list. Send me $99 to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and here's this list everybody wants to sell right now. No. So, so yeah, no, you do, no. you do, you do have to target the right people. And I like that you're making your own list too, because pretty much everybody buys from the same list from the same people. There's not, Steve has a lot of creativity, but most people don't have much creativity when it comes to targeting new people. And I get it. Take new risks, right? You want to go with the tried and true thing, but competition gets stiff, man. Well, but you know, the crazy thing is, Jeremy, it's, this is what blows me away. It's like, you know, I mail to a, a you know, a guy Anybody in this area could mail to the same guy, but he just happened to come up on come up on my list, right? So these people are—it's not like it's a finite number of people in this area. So if you really kind of won the lottery, you could mail to everybody, right? And then you've got one hundred percent coverage, and then you really are bombarding your market. That's ideally what you want to do, but obviously with what five million people in this area, we can't do that. It's impractical. So you got to cut it down. So it's amazing to me that you can you could figure out a, a you know reason to contact some folks that maybe gives you. You know, in the casino, right? You just want a little bit of an edge, right? You just want, or, or as uh, uh, Pacino said, I want a claw for that inch. I just want that extra inch. Yeah. You know, the, the inches around us, inches we need all around us, blah, blah, blah. That's all you need is just that little edge. And so it seems to be working right now, So which is which is a cool thing. So. Do you mail to the same people over and over? I do. Yeah, yeah okay. I That's thought that you um, I want to give you a compliment. I thought that your direct mail um, episode that you did was excellent. Um, Thank you. You, it was it walk through. Wasn't I, too angry. I can't remember which one was a little. Angry. One of those days, I was hurt. My back was really killing I don't me. Think, no, it didn't I, sound like it. I so. hadn't been able to do anything about it because I really can't medicate during the day and get shit done. Like so, I was like, <laughs> and I, I was up like I only got like three hours. So one of them, I apologize. I, I think it was. I thought it was that one, but maybe not. One of them. You was were little, very lucid and very good. All right, so. I was good. Good. One of them was a little no, no, angry. Was really I was good. in pain. And I thought you know, <laughs> you know, direct, direct mail. Well, yeah. You know, I wrote, I wrote a piece about this for this, this uh, mogul site, right? So we're real estate investors. We think we're badasses. We, we are large. We've got our own business and stuff, but we all get complacent. You know, we want to be the renegade guy, but you can get complacent as a renegade by just being in your renegade rut. Dude, I did it forever. Well, and so yeah. I did, I we're did it for years, right? Yeah. And, and, and so the crazy thing is, is that, yeah, we're doing something different than the nine to fivers are, but you can still get in that rut and not kind of see beyond what you're doing and think outside the box. That's why I try to do this just disruptive thing at the end of every year and look at my business from different angles to try and, you know, turn over the apple cart and figure out, you know, what, what else could I be doing? And I thought that your, I thought that your direct mail uh, thing was really good because it was a comprehensive look at not only going from the leads, but also how you mail, what you mail, and how often you mail. Yes. Because, again, you know, here's a free tip, and not that I want to create competitors, but the worst thing you can ever do is mail the list one freaking time. I can't tell you how many oh, times I did that. Oh, my gosh. I, well, seriously, I it, really? Oh, in the beginning? Really? 2006? Wow. Way back in the day? I can't even tell. It just it's just a little embarrassing. Didn't, didn't Until I started working for Steve. Yeah. It honestly never occurred to me. I don't know why. I can't. I can't explain why because it, it makes sense. It's like up, down, north. As soon as you two plus two is four, it's obvious the second you right, think it, right? Or it's put in front of you. But I didn't come to it myself. Interesting. 
I would have had much better results. I had great results. I was getting a 10 to 14% response rate mailing once. That's crazy. Back then, because I was, I was doing all sorts of stuff. I had the, this before everybody was doing the invitation envelope. We were putting stickers on it. We were handwriting in red. Nice. Long form letter, 12 pages long. It was converting great. This is nice. back when I was doing short sales. It's 2006, 2007. I never mailed them more That's crazy. than once. I, I don't I have no explanation for it. By the way, folks, that is the wrong way to do it. Yeah, it is. It is. You it get is. a huge you almost double your response rate between five and seven mailings. So you go from two percent to sometimes six or seven percent, depending how competitive your market is. Whatever that number is, you'll notice a big jump between the first three to four mailings and five to seven mailings. Well it depends too on your cadence as well. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I do six weeks. I know some people like a month. I've experimented again. I've been sending, I've sent thousands of letters and I actually experimented here to my different lists and said, okay, my normal thing is six weeks. I tried five. I tried four. I tried three. I tried two and I got yelled at like crazy with them too close together. And it's like, okay, I don't really want to get yelled at. And it didn't, and I don't, I don't care about getting yelled at, but it didn't increase my deal flow. Yeah, it didn't work. That was the thing. It so, doesn't work. Why and would then I went out it? further yeah. and then that actually didn't work either. And so I think, you know what? I did my my results didn't improve if I moved it in, didn't improve if I moved out, so I just left it the same. So the point I think is just you gotta hit it more than once. I see so many people of the new folks, they got a thousand dollars and they do a mailing that costs a thousand dollars. It's like no, divide it by three yes. and do what you can to you wanna hit them at least three times. That's the key. I think you mentioned that in your in in your podcast. I mean it's bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yeah. Right? Bare Don't minimum. do it if you can't do three. Exactly. You'll probably get something in three mailings, but if you can't do right. three, save your money until you, you right. can. Well, there's hard knock life lessons, right? right? I can't tell you. We we did, oh God, it's embarrassing to talk about. We did a private lending one. I just rushed all the way through, mm-hmm. Didn't did one mailing two weeks before the event. I killed so much money doing that. It was like $3,000 and got nothing. Just, didn't do anything, just didn't do anything right. I showed up. Yeah. We had three people who showed up who were friends who ate the meal. We had like 20 meals we paid for. Oh, it was an. I did something similar, Jeremy. Ugh. I did something similar. I spent almost six grand on it and I got zero. Response. Oh, man. Yeah, that does hurt. I know exactly what it's like. What the heck? You had those conversations with your wife or your business know, partner I always know, go so well, too. By the way, remember that sure thing? <laughs> Crash and burn, not even one. Not even one. Well, then it turns out finding private money, you know, I got the, the best, my best private lender I met here in the neighborhood at a Halloween party one night because I was talking to another guy I know about rental houses and he goes, hey, are you, do you, do you want to buy more of them? I got money to lend. And it's like, cool. Yeah, you can't sell a course talking about normal, like that's how it happens. It's crazy. That's exactly how it happens. They but knew you can't me. Sell a I got a track record that, you yes. know, it's like funny how that works. Lead with the evidence. No, no, no. You're going to sell it. postcards to people. What did I do? I sent postcards to people who invested in oh a bank note at like one or 2%. Right. And look, you'll do. Oh, yeah. No. I, it's it's crazy that you, again, with all due respect, um, you're not going to get private lenders, people that don't know you. It's not, just, no. It's just crazy. Or, or what's even worse, I've done, I've done this, what's that? borrow money from the wrong person. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that, that. that is that. a problem. Yeah, you're like, how could that ever be a problem? You're on the other side. You're like, oh, I got all this money. Man, you borrow money from the wrong person. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. I'll give you an example. I borrowed money from someone 
who literally like chased me down for three months out of country, right? They wanted a higher return, but they didn't want to take on the spec when I was turning all these yeah, um, yeah. Detroit turnkey rentals. I think I was doing land contracts at the time. Might have been Section A. I can't remember exact timing. Anyway, lady chased me down, harassed me, all that. So I, I finally decided to do it. I'm like, all right, fine. Um, she had bought a rental. and that She had chased gone. you down to lend you money? Yeah, because she didn't have enough to buy another one, but she wanted to make enough and she another way. And what well, can I lend and all that? I'm like, all that. But you're all the way over there and you got a bank account, whatever. You got a new kid, all that. It was a nightmare. I did it. And then every, this is uh, 2008 or nine, every bad article about Detroit, which is like practically every day back right, then, right, right. you get the emails, you get the phone calls, you get the Facebook messages. I'm like, fuck, you lady, this, kidding me. this takes like 60 to 120 days to do and totally freaking out, which now I know, by the way, folks, you need to have some, if you're going to borrow money from someone, there needs to be some risk assessment personality. Are they the kind of person who can, because Detroit, under the best of circumstances, is a medium risk investment. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's if you're getting above 10%, it is a high risk situation. In Detroit, you're getting 20 or 30, but that's because shit goes wrong all the time. Well, plus, you need to have a PETA factor in for the, the, the lender, too, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you borrow money from the wrong person. You know, it sounds like a stupid problem, but it can be a problem. That's why you need to know them. You need to have some sort of assessment track that record. Doesn't always work, which no. you and I both know. Yes. So yes. Well, in my case, though, I completely fucked up, so it's somewhat reasonable. But <clears throat> when you kill enough money, people are going to be upset. <laughs> Minor details. Right? Minor details. Yes. <laughs> you make make those kind of things. So it's interesting that you kind of had the same problem. You did the same thing, and then neighbor right down the street. If you're doing deals and you have the evidence, talk to people about it. No, you're right. I was literally talking to another guy who I turned on to my area. Uh, I buy rentals in Harper Woods and he had bought a couple, loves it. And now every time I see him, he, the guy was a friend of mine for five years before. And then uh, really, I told him about that area. He was buying in Hazel Park. It's like, why? He goes, I know it sucks, but it's all I know. It's like, let me show you. So I took him out there one day, drove him around. He goes, these are awesome houses. And guess what? I'm paying the same price you're paying in Hazel Park. Brick, nice cross point schools, typically you know, so he bought three of them out there immediately. And he was telling me at this Halloween party how awesome they were and how great. It's how the guy's listening, right? And he goes, well, I know that area. My wife grew up in the area. And it's like, well, and he chased me down. And it's like, I, I don't want to, I know you too well. I don't want to do this, you know. He goes, finally, he said, are, are you going to take my money or not? Yeah. And it's like, okay, okay, I'll take your money. Yeah, So the takeaway. I made him ask me three times, though. Yes. Seriously. You I do have to, sure, to do the takeaway, I think. I want to make sure he was serious. So, And it's been great. And now he's extended and extended and wants to do more. And, you know, it's, it's great. So, again, if you treat other people's money like it's not your money, you know, like it's something really important because, you know, I can waste my money easy. But I've always tried to treat their properties really well and give them updates and understand they, they know what's going on. And plus I tell you, Jeremy, I think the best thing, and these guys give me, they're giving me 15 year loans. It's not like a couple of years repeating or whatever, or renewable. That's a good point. It's amazing. I so. did too many short term too. That's a, that I made that yeah. mistake as well. Even when you get the right people, mm-hmm. you always need more time. Life than you happens. Think yeah. You need folks. It's, it doesn't seem like it, but these markets change. You change. In my instance, at least I would say I treated my money as poorly as I treat everybody else's yeah. money. <laughs> okay. So I didn't have Bentleys well, or beautiful. Yeah. 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 I killed my money just like I killed your money. Jeez. So it's a, you know, hey, you weren't alone anyway. <laughs> right. right. I think the cool thing for, again, is that um, 
they like the fact that they can go, you know, stock market's going all crazy. It's up now and down. And, you know, it's been on a little bit upward trend. But I tell you, I get calls from these guys all the time, the guys that, that, that went to me and say, drove by the house, still there. It's like, yeah. And yeah. I didn't realize how important that was. They go drive by the house and it's still there. You know, it's that's their investment. And it's like, well, I guess that's right. Not going up and down in value. And even, and I got a couple of calls when the market dipped um, in 11, you know, 10 and 11. And they're like, well, what about our investment? It's like, what about it? I still owe you face what I promised. I'm paying off on that. The house is still renting for what it was before. I don't really care about the value because I'm keeping it forever. Where is this a problem? He goes, okay, well, if you're not losing sleep over it, I shouldn't. It's like, well, you, you start to lose sleep when I miss a payment. Yeah. Right. Well, and to your point, look how much the market's changed in nine years. Mm-hmm. This is so hard. I could do it now, kind of. Hopefully I get older, it gets a little easier. Try and think as long-term as you can, folks. It, I know it seems like the world is crashing oh in on you. Oh, my gosh. And when I think of all the houses I sold in 2008, and I know I couldn't keep anything anyway, but even if I could have kept everything, lawsuits and all that, I didn't keep nearly enough. I know the money's there for the sell, but when you look at all the successful people, they don't sell shit. They refinance, they pull it. They 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 try not to sell anything they absolutely do not have to sell. It's a productive asset. You don't sell assets. That's you, a, you win over time, and yeah. it's hard to, for me anyway. I know people are like, oh, I do that easy. For whatever reason, it was not easy. I was thinking well, if you quarters. need the income, though, you need the income. That's the problem, right? So if you got, you know, send my kids to Brother Rice and Marion. I've got a big tuition bill every year. My two girls go to Hillsdale. I got a big tuition bill. So I'd love to be keeping, you know, we, these beautiful houses we're getting on these wholesale deals. It's like, I don't want to sell that one. It's like, well then come up with the cash. It's like, nope, I got a tuition bill coming up. I can't yep. afford to do that. So wholesale it. Yeah. So keep as many as you can afford to keep without hurting yourself. That's interesting. Cause you bought some before the crash and now how they looking after some during, you know, I am, um, well, okay. <laughs> Closer. I freaking hate East point. I swear <laughs> to God, I've got three rentals in East point that, um, I bought them all before the crash. And, yeah, East Point got hit hard. Uh, you know, and the problem was, and again, this is, we have our big boy pants on, right? So I can, yeah. I can speak my mind Absolutely. Here. You know, I like East Point as a city. They collectively, though, have a chip on their shoulder, huge, because they don't like the fact that they're now a rental-heavy city. And so the city, the city government's got the, got a big attitude about it, and they're going to do whatever they can to make it as miserable as possible for landlords. And so... I bought houses in that that city. I reached out to them. I didn't make them come and find me that I've got a rental. I got them certified with rental ordinance. And Jeremy, I've had the, the, my first murder house. They did a, um, they put a bathroom in the basement and never pulled permits. Okay. Back in, I bought it in 04. They did it in 02. Okay. So I get my rental certification. Didn't the first rental certification passes with flying colors three times or four every two years. So I've now had it since 04. The last rental certification that I got was I just, I'm up again now in 16. So it was in 14. They dinged me and said, you need to get a permit for that. It's like, go look at the past seven of them. You guys have passed it. You can't go retroactively like that. And they finally said, okay, you're right. So I've had to argue with them every so time. So you did win. I won. And, and I continue. I, I, they bring it up every two years now. It's still bullshit, though, because it takes your time and effort and it, energy. It, it really is. And so, you know, they... Anyway, so how are they doing? I am pretty much even on the stuff in East Point right now. 
Um, I'd love to sell it, but again, it was a big, it's been a big pain. I can't, I've got two houses in East Point that I can't, that turn over more than I'd like it to do. And I don't know why that is. Um, we offer competitive rents. It's that they're nice houses. And one of them's got a full finished basement with a bath and down there and, um, just doesn't make any sense. So it's just funny. I've got, I've got two tenants from 06 still. I have one from 07 and I have three from 08 still in my houses. And then I've got a couple of houses that turn over like every 18 months, Yeah, you know, and I just can't figure out what I'm doing. And I think it's East Point. Probably. Because it's literally, it's just a couple of houses in East Point to do that for. Anyway. You, you brought up doing an it? interesting point though. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt here, but a lot of people don't consider, and I didn't, if I had to do it all over again, if somebody asked me, would you start investing in a try? I'd say, fuck no. No. It, the city, for whatever reason does not want to work no. with investors or actually in the city of Detroit, pretty much anybody, anybody right. unless you're politically connected, right? So part of your consideration should be um, the temperament of your government, which they're not going to tell you. So go to local meetings, talk to landlords, attend some city council meetings. I know it seems like a pain in the ass, but I know for a fact Oak Park is doing the same thing. Right. They, they got it in their mind that they, for whatever reason, they're unhappy with the percentage of absentee owners versus Absolutely. people who, who live there as their primary residents and their goal is to make your life difficult so, so you, you sell. sell. Yeah. I don't know why people think this is a, a function of government. For whatever reason, we're outnumbered yeah. uh, significantly. So something to consider. So and another thing, another point on that. Um you need to go if you're looking at a new area, the court is critical if you're good a landlord. Point. See good point. And so um, I went and checked out when I was going here, what I did, Jeremy, and again, we can argue about the strategy all day long. I went to East point because it's what I could afford. And what I decided to do instead when the market started to tank is that instead of staying in East point and buying lower and lower and lower, I wanted to spend the same money and buy better and better, and better. Makes sense. Okay. So then I went to Harper woods without gross point schools. And then I went to Harper woods gross point schools um, and that, cause that was, I was spending the same amount of money for those houses that I'd spend in East point when I first started. Well, that's a no brainer. Well, you know, but it was a mindset shift for me because I wanted all my houses close together and the East point was fine. But so I went over when I decided to go into Harper woods, I went in, went over, took the afternoon off and went to court to find out on, on, um, landlord tenant day to find out how the judge was because I wanted to know, are these guys. I hadn't, you know, this guy was an old guy. Damn, I didn't, this is good advice. I hadn't, I didn't, I couldn't find anything written about him, whether he was, he was, you know, pro tenant or not or like Oak Park or whatever. Turns out a really good guy straight down the middle. And actually I know people have had trouble with Warren, but I have my apartment building in Warren. I won every eviction in Warren I ever had. They were, the couple of them were a little squishy, a couple of the judges there, but for the most part, right down the middle, if your paperwork's in line, they were, they weren't pro either side. They were pro, let's get to the bottom of this. That's exactly and, what you want. And that's all I want. All yeah. I want is a fair shot. And so I found Roseville the same way. Um, I actually did an eviction in Pontiac. I got one house in Pontiac, same way. I, shocking. But uh, I thought it would be a big pain. But it was a big to somebody there um, last year. Went great, won it. So, um, but again, court is critical. I wouldn't go, I don't, Pontiac's really interesting. We can talk about that later if you want. But Pontiac is really turned around amazingly it's the downtown is vibrant now the neighborhood i know uh, i was talking to todd burningham um he had a, a house turn over there and i said you know what offer it best offer raise your rent really high and offer it best offer to try and get a couple hundred bucks more and he called me back he goes freaking amazing it worked he got a couple hundred dollar a month increase on his rent 
That's pretty significant. Because the city is going like this. It's really improving. They've outsourced all their services. The county now patrols as the police force. And it's it's they're doing an amazing job in Pontiac. So anyway, to cycle back around, if you're going to decide on on an area to buy rentals, then you need to go visit the court to find out if they're pro-tenant or um, pro-landlord. Yeah, spend a couple of days sitting in there listening, right? Or just yeah, one, one afternoon or one, one morning. What? Just go go in there, listen to a whole session. You'll figure out pretty quickly um, what's what. And obviously, yeah. you want to stay away from Detroit because I can't get a money judgment there to save my life. It's just nuts. No, and it's, and plus, you're rolling the dice literally 50-50 with the judge you get mm-hmm. there. You're, you're either going to get somebody really good or you're you're going to get the shameless politics. You're going to throw these family out. I'm like... What about my fucking family? Right? Exactly. It's never about your family. Whatever your family, whatever you know. Oh, I hated that. Yeah. Eventually hired it out. So I didn't even have to go. Gina had to go one time on the land contracts because lawyers screw you out. Man, this lady just raked her over the coals. Literally made it a race issue in court and would have the stenographer stop typing. Like, you, you got to check this shit out, folks. And this was at the end you too. Be oh no! Me. Oh no! I would love to go back. I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to get sued wow. by the moron but i remember um actually i don't think she's a judge anymore i think i can say the name she was removed for <laughs> mental um no hell. yeah i'm like that's as far as i'm gonna go if you google detroit free press wayne county judge or i can't remember was a 36 district judge removed from mental illness it was that person so if you want to go do all that i guess you can have that and there's Jeez. hopefully more than one so they can't come back and sue me but anyway that made a lot of sense after i was like gina gina look look <laughs> She's like, that's that bitch. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. You don't remember. She's arguing with me at the back. She, she had to go like it. four or five times. They wrecked her for the, the one coals. eviction, right? They literally said, settle this or you'll be here for another six months. Oh, my gosh. This was for a land contract, too. That's ridiculous. It was. There's so law we settled nice. for one third of what we had into it. Because at the time, it was all the lawsuits were flying too, and it just wasn't enough energy. We just let go of our last two employees, and it was like down to the line, and it was it. It was just us. Jeez. So, yeah, that's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even think about it. Yeah, it's it's critical because no matter what, I mean, you can have the the greatest house in the world, you're going to have an eviction at some point. And so, I don't want to scare people. Invest in Detroit if you want to. I probably still would. I have the knowledge and information now, but man. There's smarter ways to do things is all we're well, suggesting. Well, depends what you want to do, too. Yeah. You want to do the quick Or go with your eyes wholesale. open. Yeah, right. It depends on your strategy. So if you're going to be a landlord, then you better pick your zip codes really, really well or buy a, you know, buy a, go buy a, a multifamily down in southwest Detroit in Mexican town or whatever. Great areas to buy in yeah. depending on what you want to buy, though, right? So it's you got to pick your areas and pick your your product that you're buying and be equally equally choosy on both. Well, now in Detroit, we have a couple of good options for decent property management, too. Whereas before... Who? The, the, Castle, for sure. Castle told me they wouldn't... I, I, I was talking to them about uh, an apartment building. They don't. They wouldn't do it. I'll have to they won't do see. apartment buildings. Okay. Um, they do houses, though. They will do houses. Okay. But to your point, they yeah. won't take shit houses in Detroit, right? So good. if you want to be one of those landlords... Slumlords. You're gone. Oh, if the neighborhood's okay. too bad... If, basically, if they don't think they can do a good job, they just don't take it. So and there's a lot... Of, like easily half of Detroit, they're just mm-hmm. gonna say no. Probably more than that, I would imagine. So at least half. Who else? Um, uh, Epic Property Management will do good stuff too. So okay. that's um, yeah, it's great. I know there haven't been any options for a really long. Josh time. Josh Sterling, and then um, was oh, that Sterling's company? Is Brent it? Maxwell. Um, 
annoying as fuck sometimes. I don't know how much he listens to sometimes. these things. Sometimes? Sometimes. <laughs> but they actually do a pretty decent job. On... I didn't know that he, he does for other people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tends to stick to the east side. So right. not so much all on, frame stuff on the there. west side. Yeah, he does. He loves that shit. <laughs> I know man. he does. So he makes money off of it though. So oh my, I don't know how. <laughs> he's like the alchemist. Well, he's doing he's doing the um, guaranteed everything. I know. Which I, I know. I tried to dissuade him from, oh but it's it's whatever. I guess it's working out for him. I wouldn't want to be made an example. He of. hasn't been strung up yet. So, no, which is good. And he maybe you never are. You know, maybe I don't want that risk though. Jeez, no. No. I did. I have done enough stupid shit. I'm just trying to get through the rest of it. <laughs> well, to be honest, Jeremy, you know, there's enough good stuff out there. There's enough opportunity with decent stuff. Then why deal with that? Unless he's got a model that looks like it works great. More power to him. But you know, I would. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. You know, this stuff has to all go all right all the time for it for it to work. Right? Well, I think people like Brent and I. It's like sunk costs, right? Yeah. You commit to something, you're halfway in before you realize maybe it wasn't such a great idea, but then somehow you you figure it out, and now you know. You know, if I knew, True. knowing what I know now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I like Harbor Woods. Famous with, last uh, words, you yeah. Know, yeah. Good schools. Like, sign me up for that. That's, yeah. Yeah, that sounds way better. And then, obviously, in retrospect, looking back and looking at everybody's results, way better results doing it that way, too. So... You know, I'm not going to argue with that. You know, honestly, Jeremy, I'm just a dumb guy that had a day job that needed to get really kind of wrote my book, set and forget. Right. I don't have time. I want to manage them myself because I want to figure out how to run them. And I, I started managing them myself and it really they were because I was buying in good areas. I didn't spend any time on them. You know, my first couple of tenants that stayed for that on the my second house I bought. Um. Oh, funny story, if you don't mind. No, I love Second it. house I bought. We love stories. Yeah, yeah. First house, <laughs> first house I bought kept those tenants for three years. So great run. Second house I bought, first eviction, right? Um, she gave me the deposit and the move-in, never paid it another dime. I evicted her, and we have our big boy pants on. I kicked her out the Wednesday before Christmas, which was on Saturday. I'm surprised I even let you. They won't in Detroit. You know what? I talked to an attorney and, I, and he said, this judge, if you let them stay through Christmas, they're going to think that, that you're giving them a blank check and you're being easy on them and they will let them stay longer. So you need wow. to kick them out then or else you're probably going to be with them another month or at least until give them time to move out. So we were there. The saddest thing I've ever done. First eviction. Um, and, and they literally, the court officers went in. Christmas tree, everything on the front lawn. It's like Scrooge. It was like, and she's yelling and screaming. You're, I can't you're wearing your little this. curly boots, oh toes with a little bell. Seriously, on the seriously. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, I, what am I? It's this is the law. She knew it was going to happen. She didn't believe we would do it. She didn't believe we'd evict her. It's like, and I waited too long. I didn't file. I kept listening to her lies, and I should have filed after seven days. That's why. Yeah. yeah no. Same yeah. thing happens every man. Right. I don't. What is it with humans? You know. You given it. I've done it too. Right. I, so I'm not. I, I have done it too. Humans are funny. Yeah. Free is a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's a problem for me to a certain extent. It you got to be careful. It's, it's like heroin or something. You get too much free, and then like, oh, okay, I just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, I don't discriminate based on dates. So sorry, lady. No, I mean, you, pay your bills. Nobody gave a shit when I didn't have money. The, the, only, the, world. the only discrimination I do is you, your money's got to be green with pictures of dead presidents yep. on it. That's it. You so. pay, you stay, you don't. That's how it? you're going to be treated. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I was really, I, I didn't, I made the mistake. I had not gone to see the court 
and that the judge was a real stern guy when I went in there. And it's like, I had no clue. I'm like, took a day off at work. I'm in my suit. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to be on the stand? I don't know how you did this stuff. And you basically just stand up at a podium, right? It's not that big of a deal. And, um, I basically, you know, I, I prepared a statement, you know, this is my timeline and the, I had all the stack of stuff and I thought I was going in, into the OJ Simpson trial. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's all this I'm crap. ready. You know, I got in triplicate. And so, and Fassett versus Johnson or whatever her name was. And Mr. Fassett, I'm, I'm, you are a name, sir. Mr. I'm Dennis Fassett. I'm the plaintiff. Your name, Mrs. Johnson. I'm the defendant. Mr. Fassett, what happened here? And we're sitting at, actually, we're sitting at a table on sides of the table. And I said, well, Your Honor, um, I'm suing for possession and money judgment. She didn't pay rent, blah, 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 blah. Mrs. Johnson, why aren't you paying Mr. Fassett rent? I love you, Judge. And it went down there, downhill from there, and she made excuses, and I'm going to pay, and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, well, you obviously haven't judgment facet, and it was over in like six minutes. I was like, this is really cool. I can, this you is You were really over-prepared. I was so over-prepared. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh. And so, uh, yeah, but it was funny. So that's when I used to wear a suit. I wore a suit to court for the first like five evictions I did. I didn't know, you know, and so- I always wear shirt and tie when I go to court, no hat, because I remember I went one time without it, and I was in there 10 minutes, and she started to, I can't remember this, whatever, she was okay, she didn't treat me bad, but um, she started complimenting everybody, well, thank you for dressing up for court, and I thought it was fucked, I'm like, oh, great, I, this is the one I got, the day I don't do it, right. I look like a ass clown, and it's going to be, it went fine, but right. to your point... Better safe than sorry. Dress nice, right? If you, yeah, if you're the first time, I would do. I would definitely wear a tie. I don't wear a tie anymore, but I do sport coat, button down shirt, and khakis, and look like I'm business casual, whatever. And so I've gotten complimented as well in the last year. It's like you see people they come in, they're stretch pants and flip flops and stuff, and it's like I can't. I I'm shocked they even let them into court, but they, they do. But yeah, shocking. Justice is not blind, folks. Deal with it. You know, Can people. You, pass me you know, the it's matches? funny. People are. Yeah, people are. People have prejudices and they can be overt and they can be not so, not so obvious. And people judge you. And unfortunately, it's an unfortunate truth that people judge you by how you look immediately. You make your first impression in the first 10 seconds or whatever. But, but again, my point is like the second one, I've had that, I evicted that one tenant and then turned that house around and the tenant's been in there ever since. Third house, tenant's been there since 06. And so, you know, it, it worked out well. Um, just being a dumb suburban guy trying to buy rentals that weren't a lot of work. And so I've just recently transferred them, started to transfer them over to property management. So because it's other stuff, I really, you know, property management is not a high ROI proposition when you manage it yourself, right? Cause it's all, cause it's all time you got to spend away from other stuff. And so I said, all right, so let's, and, I, and actually Andrew Kuhn, you know, really smart guy. Um, I know I want to get him on the podcast. You should. He's a really, yeah. he, you should hear what he's doing. He'll, he'll be, you'll have a blast talking to him. But um, he experimented. He said, I got to do, you know, he's, he, this guy is medical device sales, just doing great. Just got married, built a big house in Royal Oak, just phenomenally successful guy. And he's just, love, he's a great friend and he's really smart. And we, we've been, have, we have had a mastermind since 2006 together. We just meet every once in a while, every month or so. And, uh, um, I forgot where I was going with that. What was I, what was I saying? Um, Shit, I can't remember. I was lighting a scar, man. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I just lost my friend. Gina, do you remember where I was on yeah, that? Yeah, where were we on that? Help us out, lady. No. She, was, she wasn't paying attention either. Andrew Kuhn, he's doing great things, selling things. Want to have him on the podcast. Let me see if I can go back. I was lighting my cigar. 
Oh, you're turning over to property management. You're turning, uh, uh, yeah, not yeah, a high all right, ROI. All right, hey, right, I, I very saved good, us. Very good. So Andrew Kuhn, a couple of years ago, decided he was going to do that. And, and the, the question is, if you hire out to somebody else, will you make as much money net, even paying the fee, as you would managing yourself? It's always an age-old question, right? And he did, and you know, he went back and forth with his property manager. Nobody ever managed him like you would, right? Never, ever, never happened. But he's like, I swear to God, the first year after we got it, after the first 12 months we were stable, I made more money paying him the fee net than when I did it myself. And it's like, all right, I'm sold. So I started to turn mine over too. And it's been a nightmare, just the transition and the the gap in the, in the rent payment because it's a month lag. And it's like, but it's good to finally get them all done and stable. So I'm all full right now. Got property management on, I think we have eight or nine of them out of 13 with property management now. And so it's, it's been great. Mm. So good stuff. How did you, cause I, you were big on, cause you did a course, how to buy, you know, was it set and forget mm-hmm. rentals, mm-hmm. right? And you really were a strong advocate for managing your own rental property. Um, for, I still am. For, you still are. I still so, Nobody manages them as well as you do. So right, go ahead. That's true. So your question in your head, when does it make sense for someone you think from your perspective, obviously everybody has a different perspective. Right. When does it make sense for someone to do like you do? Like, okay, I'm just, in your case, you were like, well, I'd make more doing this. Right. Um, is that what you would say or? Yeah. You know, if you have, if you have something that's going to say you got young family, whatever. So family time's more important. You can't spend time on your rentals. Well, first of all, there's a couple of, of um, milestones you need to hit. First of all, again, like we talked about, one is the worst number to have. So one rental is the worst number of rentals to have. You need to have three. If you're going to have one, again, like the mailings, you need to have three. Yeah. So don't even think about one. Don't even look at it. Buy one, buy two, buy your third one as fast as you can because you need to have some scale, right? You can manage three forever if you wanted to. Then when you get up to six, seven, eight, nine, and you've got other stuff to do, and if the rentals management starts to take away from your time with your family, other business opportunities, like which it did for me, because that really ate into my wholesaling and this direct mail stuff, then it made sense for me to offload it. And so I still recommend man- managing yourself because A, nobody manages it like you do. B, and I don't do the thing where I say I'm the property manager and I got to talk to the owner. No, they know I'm the owner. They know that they call me, I'm the owner. And and I don't have any problems with it because they know up front and we walk through the lease and I've got a 17 page lease or whatever it is. I've got every clause. And I, I <laughs> and in my class, I in my course, my pro, when I did the seminars, I've got these clauses. They all have names for the tenant that they're, that they, they put it, we're putting the clause for. I started with the five, I joked that I started with a five page lease. And after 12 years, it's now 17 pages for all the stuff I put in for all the tenants that tried to get around. Oh, I didn't know I had to have this in there. This is the, the, the June rule. This is the Eva rule. This is the, you know, whatever. So it's funny because, uh, Deb and Doug Benson had the, they said they had, there's a story behind every clause uh-huh. at their lease. So same, you, how many pages, what did you start with? I joked that it was five. It was probably six or seven. And now it's probably 10 or 11. Yeah. And it's all because. Yep. You figure it out the hard way, right? Yeah. I guess uh, I better put that in one there. One time. Well, you know, and then the state thankfully passed the, uh, the uh, 24 hour drug deal, drug thing, right? So you can get somebody out if they're dealing drugs in your house. It's a summary eviction. You basically, I don't know if it's a court thing or if it, it's just a police department, but you've got to have it in your lease. You've got to have it in there and be and disclose that if it's a 24 hour thing, it's a, now it's a state law and it's really cool because you can get somebody out really fast. Otherwise, you got a drug dealer in your house. It would take 30 days to get them out, right? With just a, um, 
you know, uh, what is it? The notice to terminate, whatever. So, yeah. Anyway. Do you have a good story about one of your uh, one of your clauses? If you can remember off the top of your head, if not, it's fine. Just uh, you, you know what? Yeah. I, I didn't a ask cu- Doug, and I should have a couple specifically. A couple actually. I, I had it. I had a um, a couple want to open a church in the basement of one of my houses. They wanted to have it as church services, and I didn't have that as one of the things. I had this list of seventeen things they couldn't do in the house. I didn't have the church. <laughs> And so that's now in my lease. You can't have church services. I had uh, this house in East Point. Beautiful, full finished basement downstairs. Um, one of the walls is um, half mirrors, um, but nicely done. I mean, not 70s cheesy stuff. Nicely done with wainscoting and stuff. As God is my witness, Jeremy, I go down there. This would be great for my hair salon. It's, she wanted to bring chairs in. No. It's like the plumbing is not going to handle this. And can you imagine the hair and junk? It's like, so we found a, a, a reason not to rent to her. And so, and I basically told her she couldn't have it in there. Um, and then the biggest one, biggest problem we have is people wanting to turn. Um, I have a lot of semi-finished basements that are partitioned. They want to turn them into bedrooms. Yeah. And um, I, I, in each one in, in my clause and my leases, and they've got an initial, a couple different things in there. One of them is I understand I can't have a bedroom in the basement. I'm taking all the risk if I decide to do it because I don't have egress windows in any of my basements. Yeah. Well, why would you? They're not bedrooms, right? They're basements. Well, and it's five grand or whatever to put one in. Yeah, so, new. Um, but everybody wants to do that. I, I got this house, the other house in East Point that every time we do every couple of years when the city inspection comes up, I go over there. I try to go over there at a time to see how bad they are. Right. I do an inspection every year. Um, but I try to go over there before. So I see what I'm going to, what I need to budget for the repairs. Cause the city's going to ding me. And every time they put a bedroom in the basement, I said, you need to get this out of here. If they come in here and it gets dinged, you're evicted. You don't understand that. You That's know, a good point. You're going to get evicted if it's in here and they come and inspect it. And so they've listened every time. So they've been with me for, I think six years, or whatever. So again, good tenants pay on time every month, you know, so it's good, it's good stuff, and it works. It's also just not safe, folks. It's Come not on, safe. It's stupid. It's like, shit and I goes them, wrong. That's and I told them that. I said, you've got a water heater down here. You've got gas appliances down here. What happens if, some, if we get a fire yep. or something? Carbon monoxide, one little piece goes out. Right. Come on, things fail. Well, and, you know, and trying to keep the batteries in a carbon monoxide detector in a house. <sighs> it's like, give me a break. It's like, do you guys have a death wish? I bought this thing. It's like 30 bucks. Just leave it plugged in. It's all you got to do. But they unplug it. It's on top of the refrigerator. When I go, it's like, what are you doing? I guess they want to live dangerously, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, thank you. So something you mentioned earlier, if I don't know how much detail you want to go into it, but I'm interested in the idea is that in December every year, you go through, I can't remember what you call it, but you tear apart your business. Yeah. Um, do you mind talking about that a little bit more? No, it's an interesting know, it's a, idea. It's like it's a great end tool. of year review or something, right? You know what it is? And, it, it, you know, it's funny, Jeremy. I don't want to say I hate my job because I don't. I think I literally hit my knees every morning thanking God that I have a job because it puts food on my table, puts sends my kids to school, and it lets me build my real estate business, right? And And this will be the first year since 2004 that I will actually make as much money in my real estate business that I make in my day job mm. first time ever. So my, my, my job does well for us and I'm, I'm, I've learned a lot and this is one of the things that I brought with me from the job world. Right. So I, I'm way overeducated with MBA and everything like that. And so, but that these tactical things, this process decomposition is been, process decomposition. Okay. And think about it. It's a process. You de you decomposition, you decompose, a process. And so um, this past 
fall. And I actually did it earlier because I, I just, you know, sometimes you get you have brain farts or whatever you want to call them that you have good ideas you want to write down and you, you've got to act on them now. You were, we were talking about Absolutely. Do something immediately if you can. Right. And so you spec them out and you say, okay, this is good, but I don't, and for another thing, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I'm, I'm, I'd like, if I have a September 15th epiphany, I make a September 15th resolution and just get it done. I don't wait till the calendar flips, right? So I did it earlier this year. I did it in September where I just went through the, my entire direct mail process. Okay, how do, where do I get my leads? I log in. Step one is I log into the site to get my leads. Okay. Step one, you know, blah, blah, blah. Step two, one, and I do two different, my own um, list has got 77 steps or whatever between the time I log in to buy the data and I'm actually putting a letter in the, in the, 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 the post office. So you count every step? Every step, everything okay. you do, seriously. And again, it's way more detailed than you want, but again, you're only doing it once a, once a year. And so my second process, I, I think I have 45 or 46 steps. I think there was 46. And so I decomp every one of those. And what I do is I then, and it's basically you do, you do lists, right? You just, it's a, I just write, write it down in a list. I don't do a Visio chart. I know some people would like to do Visio charts and like to map it out. I don't do that because I don't have decision trees that need to be mapped out. Really, it's a very linear process that I go through. And then I just, take each one, each step. So each of those 77 things, and I look at it, I say, okay, log into the website. How can I make this faster? How can I improve on this? Some of the stuff you can't, but in this one, you know what? Now I store the password in my browser. Okay. I save 10 seconds. Okay. That's cool. I've improved that part of the process. Overly simple, right? Um, I got to the point where what was taking me most of my time in my direct mail, I have not found a direct mail house that will do letters Cards, yeah. Letters, no, I won't do letters the way I like to do them. Live stamp, live signature, that yeah. kind of thing. I just, I can't get the quality. I've, I've checked out a couple of the main ones and I just can't get the quality. So I do them myself. So what takes me the longest time is the um, printing out. Is this too loud? It's a little loud. So folks, for those listening, it'll, it'll get cleaned up a little bit. But um, we are in Dennis's backyard, beautiful backyard, and his neighbor started mowing the lawn. So unfortunately, I apologize. I think most of it will get cleaned up in post production. But yeah, it's, it sounded pretty good. It'll be fast. So. It should be good. Yeah, and he'll yeah. be fast as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're going to be what do you call Covey called them big rocks. What are the big rocks? Big things you need to do in your process, and those are the what that take up. Now in my process, it was stuff that took a lot of time. Okay. And so I figured if I can break those things down and do them faster, I could add more profitable stuff. I'd have more time to do ROI stuff. Okay. And so I printing my, um, printing my letters took forever. I didn't have a duplex printer. I'm going to print, I print a two pager and it was difficult to flip the letters over and do, you know, all that kind of stuff. Envelopes same way. And then, um, I was up to doing 2000 letters a month. That's by so many. hand. That's so many. By hand, okay? I know what that's like. Gene and I have done that shit. Right, that's right. a lot of work. And so basically what I would do is I would set Sunday afternoon and evening, because I do my letter, I have my weekly cycle basis, right? So I would set, I would start to, to I get, I'd have all, all the stuff printed. This is after I printed the letters and the envelopes. I would spend the entire afternoon and almost most evening on Sunday folding, stuffing, and sealing, and stamping envelopes. Every single week. And it was like, this is ridiculous. So, I've, again, I found a high-speed printer that'll do 70 pages duplex a minute color, color inkjet. That cut out. Jeremy, I swear to God, 
I was spending spending two and a half, three hours just printing two thousand letters and envelopes. Yeah, it takes forever. That cut it. This cuts it down to like an hour max. So I cut two hour, roughly two hours out of my process that way. And then this this um, the folding and the, the the inserting and sealing. I bought a machine to do There's it. Automatically. A machine that does that. Unbelievable. How much is that machine? Five grand. That's not that much. Tell me about it. Dude, over a year, that saves a lot of time. First deal. First mailing. I got a deal. Paid for it. Right? And so it's like sunshine, clouds part, angels sing. And it's like, this is amazing. So I say, and that saved me, I want to say conservatively, four to five hours a week. That adds up all. That's a lot of opportunity. Well, so it's four hours plus six hours. I mean, four hours plus two hours of the printing that I saved. So I've got six hours. I'm still doing the same throughput I was doing before, but now I have six additional hours to spend. And so now I, I you know, I got into this. I'm doing some um, mentoring and coaching for this national company, and that's a high ROI thing. And I've gotten into a couple other things as well. And, I, and I'm looking to expand my mailings now because now that I've got it down really tight, my process, I can do more throughput without adding an exponential amount of time to it. So I was, you know, it's blown away. I mean, it's funny that when you look at the problem, you do the, I did, you do the decomp and you come to the step folding and then inserting and then sealing envelopes and you start to search on Google. It's amazing how looking at it objectively, not part of the process, a single step, how it can open your mind to different ways of doing things. That's an excellent point. It's amazing. It is. And I, and you know what? Um, I've told a couple of dozen people this. I don't know anybody else that does it. I think it 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 will it would I think it'll do have an amazing result uh, for people that would try it because especially if you've not done it before, there's probably a lot of low hanging fruit in your process, right? And this machine and, and, and as well. I mean, I need to just, go do this. I need to go do this. That's I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. Damn, that's a good idea. It's like, crazy, Jeremy. It's crazy. that's half the reason I do this podcast. By the way, you know. It's like, holy shit. Like, you're not going to, where are you going to read that in a book? Right? Like, oh, I'm just going to read it. No, probably not. Or you have to read 200 books to find it. Seriously. Or you can have a conversation. Well, you know, or listen to 77 meaningless podcast episodes, right? Of people selling something to get yeah, one nugget to get, of information. To, to try and find something. Yeah. It's ama- so there's a machine that'll actually do all that for five grand. It's tabletop. It weighs, it's, it weighs like a hundred pounds. It's the size of a printer and it's like the heaviest damn thing you're ever going to see. But the thing's amazing. I can do, I, you know, it probably save more time than that even. I, it, it'll do, I want to say, it's some hundred letters a minute or something like that. That's, that's amazing. It'll do, it'll do number tens. It does the C5s, the six by nines, and it seals them all. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing thing. So anyway. You mind yeah. if I go on a quick tangent? No, go ahead. If your job could be replaced by a machine like this in the next 20 years, Start start working on another career. How much of this shit's going to be automated, especially with this push that for no matter you should be able to take care of your family with every job you ever had in your entire life. Right. I think that's going to become a reality. Yeah. Um, that is going to price a lot of things out and push for this this automation of machines. So I just wanted to you know just insert some worry, maybe do a little risk reduction in your life if you know it. It's nobody's out to get you, but. This is the reality. Expenses yeah. are expenses, whether they're wages or machines. And if a human costs more than the machine, yeah. I guarantee you the market's going to demand the machine because Absolutely. their retirement's in a 401k too. And 
they're not going to make it at three percent. They yep. need six, seven percent to make it. So maybe that's a little reality for people right there. No, so. if your job requires manual effort um, in the middle, like for example, burly guys is always going to need to be around, right? Because yeah. you can't outsource that kind of stuff. So Terrell's fine. Um, and the guys that work for him, if he can get good people, you know, it's a funny we, story. That's everybody's problem, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But again, if you're up. in the middle part and you're doing manual labor, you need to find something else because your job will be repriced. It's amazing what they're doing with robots now. Um, or AI. just customer service, too, yeah. quite frankly. How far away? We got Siri in 10 years. Is there going to be a Siri computer machine that will yeah. answer the phone and now you're job's gone you weren't that good at it anyway right yeah exactly <laughs> the hard the hard cold truth is eventually in every aspect machines are going to be better at everything than what we're doing now if you're thinking you have you have less to worry about right we're a long ways away from thinking probably only lifetime, a generation man. or our two. lifetime yeah well. but otherwise eh, Quite frankly, a machine can do what you do better in almost well, every case. Let me let me go one step further. I have been trying to talk. I have four kids, girl, girl, boy, girl, two of them in college. One is uh, going to be a senior next year. One's going to be in uh, 10th grade next year. So um, I've been trying to talk every, each, one, each of them into not going to college, starting a business. Or if they go to college, fine. But I think the way I see this going, Jeremy... Automation is going to take over so much that the only thing that's going to be left is having your own local business, serving your community, because that's that that can't be outsourced. So if you're going to be the baker, the CPA, tax accountant, or whatever, it's so I'm trying to talk those guys, all my kids into doing something. They can hang out their own shingle wherever they're going to be, so they can survive if this automation thing happens or the outsourcing too. They're still outsourcing all over the place because we are by far not. And we're getting further away from being the low-cost producer with all the demands for higher wages and minimum wage and stuff. It's only going to get worse. It is going to get yeah, worse. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. I know it seems like, if you're listening to this, it seems like a cold way to deal with it. I want you to think about it in reverse. How many cobblers were thrown out of business when mass manufacturing came from shoes? You don't give a fuck. You love your new shoes. They're a fraction of the price. They're better than they ever were before except for high-end boots. So those are kind of your options when a better process comes along. And that's a good thing. Used to be 80% of the people had to be working, growing food. That means they weren't doing other things. Right, right. So it seems difficult, but it's really efficiency, and more efficiency is always better. Right. it's not personal, folks. Just deal with it. You it's know? a cold, hard reality. Yes. It's a cold, hard reality. That's why I like real estate. It's, it's, uh, you can't outsource what we're doing. You know, I know that what is this new site out there that's uh, trying to buying stuff blind? What is it called? I forget the name of it. I don't know that one. There's a buying new it new, blind. Th- yeah, it basically, they're they're sending out. They they will send you an offer based on basically Zillow type data. It's Open Door, Open Open Door. Open Door, the new site. It's it's like this. This is ridiculous. There's a bunch of guys that got together and do, did a startup, and they're basically sending offers to people on houses based on big aggregated data like Zillow. It's like I talked to a woman, uh, one of the people in Phoenix that, that uh, we're actually buying a house from, said they got an offer from Open Door that was $60,000 below market because they're using aggregated data. So basically what you got is you got, it's a bell curve, right? So you got 40% of your data, your offers are too low, 40% of them are too high, and just a very small number that are right exactly where they should be. It's it, Anyway. Yeah, Zillow's not a good place to go no. usually for, for your for your comparables, yeah. folks. And they're doing really poorly too. So that's a shocker. Yeah, yeah, they're doing really poorly. I did something like that. I did go look at them though. 
Um, you remember, was it John Graham, whatever, back in the day? Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know, Matt, maybe I might be getting the name wrong. You used to do a hundred offers a week. Really? This is back in the foreclosure crisis, 2008. We would just do blind offers on everything that fit based on, we did use, uh, real comp though. So right, we weren't, right, we weren't right. doing any bullshit and we had just a little, I'll put it in the spreadsheet and it worked at the time because there was far more inventory than there there was buyers. So agents tolerated this behavior because it was better than not eating. Right. But to your point in this market, that is a great way to, I, I don't, I know you're supposed to show everybody every offer, but just in the real world, folks, the people see, especially when they figure it out, when they figure out you're not even looking at it. Right. That is not a, that is not, I, w- I would hate to build a business model on it. It worked for about 10 months. Well, but that's, so that's the key though, Jeremy. So you were adaptable. You, you used something that was working and then you moved on to the next thing after it stopped working. Yeah. That's great. You need to be a chameleon. That's what I keep telling people. You know, I'm sure you, you know, you see it having the renegade meeting, you see it. And, um, a whole new crop of people are real estate investing now that weren't even here during the crash. They don't remember it. And they think that the way it is right now is the way it's always going to be. It's funny you say that because that was exactly me. I know. Oh, right. It's always going to be right, this way. Right. I, but everybody thinks that, right? So now I don't you've been know. Everybody it. thinks it. I did. I believed, I remember when Ben Bernanke one month before it all tanked. So stupid. I, I don't know how many times if I told a story, I can't remember if I've done it on the podcast. I apologize. Anyway, he came on TV. He was in front of Congress, all that shit, right? No, I expect to see a one to maybe two percent drop, and then real estate will go back. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, let's buy more, you know. <laughs> and then two months later, broke the Bernanke. The broke, Bernanke. yeah, I got Bernanke'd. I'm like, what? And I remember too. Like, isn't there a bubble? I remember saying, there's no bubble in real estate and love. Oh my god, yeah. Well, good thing. I do worry too on another tangent here. All these kids recording themselves and putting themselves on Facebook. I'm so glad I got oh to do gosh. most of my dumb shit before cell phone cameras and video. Oh, I was talking to my kids about that. It's like I told my son when he turns 30, we're going to go out and I'm going to tell him all the stupid crap I did after he's too old to do be able to do it. Well, he's going to have, he better, better give him that talk, right? Folks, give your kids this talk. There's one thing between making stupid mistakes and then having them on video or picture to relive forever. The two are very different things. Have that talk with your children, folks, please. Your brain isn't even done growing. If you're, if you're a male, it's late twenties. If you're female, it's mid twenties. Late twenties, mate. Try not to record any stupid (laughs) shit till you're at least 30 if you could help it. You know, that's uh, actually to your point. I was going back looking through some of my old YouTube videos. I'm like, Oh my God. That was, oh, what a dickhead. Oh, come on. They're good. They were No, good. you got to go back and look at some like the of way, them. way old ones? Oh, yeah. I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> Another point, though, they still worked. So if you're worried yeah, exactly about right, how, how right. shitty you could possibly be and still get results, just it do something. It was fine at the time. Yeah. You know, YouTube was like the wild, wild west back then. That's exactly what it was. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's why it worked. Well, I went back. I was going to see if I can t- repurpose some of the stuff I did oh, before and well, put it on the podcast. I, <laughs> I was like, I'll pull the sound off. I started clicking no. through. I'm like, fuck that guy. This guy, he's <laughs> meandering. He's mumbling. You could tell the ones I'm doing at 4 o'clock in the right. morning. I'm like, I would not have watched this. I don't know what I was thinking. I was doing something anyway. So none of very little of that's going to be able to be repurposed. Well, I did the same so. thing. I did the uh, series when I, did, I ranted in my car. For I love those. You should you know, do those a hundred of them, and it's like I go back and I cringe when I watch them. It's like, what were you thinking back then? So it worked. I like the did. Dennis rant. Could there be a weekly Dennis rant video? Oh, jeez. No. Yeah, maybe monthly. You know what? Honestly, Jeremy, that's. A, I'm glad you brought that up. I um, I stopped ranting, but I have the urge still. 
I did too. You know, I, I really hit me back when, let me, let me preface this by saying I love the political theater right now of the, of the presidential race. I think whether you love or you hate Trump again, I I don't want to talk politics. I know, but I think what he's done to the process has made it fascinating. It's, it's, and I don't mean car crash fascinating. I think what he's done, he's really upended it and he's changed. I'm hoping permanently changed the way it works. So it's been really, it's been fantastic to see that. Right. So, you know, I just, I, anyway, this is the best election process ever. I think I've had more fun watching this. Right. I think, I think I sent, um, I part of a, I do. All right. I'm, I'm outing myself a little bit. I do still rant in some private groups on Facebook. So that way I don't get, um, get the hate back on, on the Facebook or you should be doing your time doing this, doing that. So today I was like, yeah, I bathed in the, in the tears of Bernie supporters this morning. (laughs) That's too funny. Yeah. I had a good time doing that post, but it has been very entertaining and it, to me, this is the, uh, if there's any hope of change, this is it. Right. The process is just, uh, I love, I absolutely love, and by the way, I'm a political atheist, folks. I support none of them, but I admire just how Trump has shown the media, and I am not a Trump supporter. I, you know, I can admire just people objectively, yes. just completely objectively. Yep. He has made a mockery of them and why they feel they need to go and lie. When there's plenty of other stuff they can talk about without lying, and then they don't realize how well that plays into what he's doing, and I think we're going to have Trump for president. They just can't figure it out. They keep doing it. They keep doing. They keep going with the same playbook they've always used, and it's not working. It's not working. Nobody listens yeah. to you anymore. There, there are people with YouTube, CNN, MSNBC, Fox <laughs> News. They're they're more. There are people with YouTube accounts watching people play Minecraft. I know more than is watching your shitty. Fucking news. I'm doing quotes, air quotes, folks. Your news station. And what, people what prompted have you to out. stop ranting? I got a lot of feedback that um, it was not, and I decided to take it, um, that my Facebook ranting was not going to help me achieve my goals. And that was difficult to ignore. More importantly, I don't know any amount of words I can type on Facebook that is actually going to make any real change in this world. I'm not that smart. I'm not just deal with it. That's I'm a, a realization I came to as well. I'm an ape like everyone else. Yeah. I'm not, if I, if I'm going to make any change, it's going to be with real money and real hard work in the real world. And then maybe it could be posted on Facebook, but it's, what was I doing? I agree. The 200 people who followed me and couldn't, half of them couldn't stand it. And it, yeah, what change was I? So illusions of grandeur, right? I'm standing up, whatever, right? Just keyboard warrior. Just stop. Just stop. So I did. How long ago? Part. About a year and a half now, with a few minor I know. relapses. I, I, Jimmy Howard, I will always rant. Jimmy That's fine. <laughs> I enjoy that. I would miss it forever if you stopped. It's one of the things I can count on, like the sun coming up, rises in the east, sets in the yeah. west. Jimmy Howard sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I agree with you, Jimmy. I, you know, it's, it's counterproductive. I, I used to like it for engagement purposes, but then it got to be distasteful after a while. I was really surprised. Not surprised, but I was kind of just... The, the political thing really kind of cl- clued me in at the beginning where all the posts were your candidate sucks, your candidate sucks. It's like, you know what? I don't want, don't tell me my candidate sucks. Tell me why I should vote for your candidate. Yeah. And I really kind of, that was the, the big watershed moment for me in addition to the feedback. Right. And it's like, you know what? Forget it. I, you know, there's enough positivity around. And I think you're, you, you and I have a similar, similar um, viewpoint. I'm about taking care of my family. Yes. Right. I build a wall around my family and friends 
and I want to take care of this, these folks as best, much as possible, help other folks, you know, friends and whatever, what we can. And let's, let's work in a smaller group to make everybody better. And none of this other stuff is relevant. And I think a lot of folks, because they're on Facebook so much, they think that that's re, the re, that's reality. That's yes. real life now. And I did it too. So, I think I, I, mean, I, I am the guilty same thing, of it. So. But right. I mean, it's true. You know, it's a cold hard truth, right? Yeah. I remember I was talking to Gina. He's like, oh, you're not going to anymore? I'm like, what, what is my, this guy, I'm kind of crude sometimes, folks. You haven't figured it out. I was like, what is me finger fucking my keyboard on Facebook going to do? Right. That, that's just the reality of the situation. Well, I realized too that when you and I had some interactions and it's like, you know, I know you. I know you personally. I've known you for years. And what I see on Facebook isn't you. It's a caricature of you. Yeah. And I started to think, well, maybe people are having the same impression about me and I don't want that to happen because that's not me. You know, we do, you do it for a reason, but I don't think that unless you're, you have some, a moment of introspection like that, I don't think you get that. I think you just get so into Facebooking and you keep tunnel. that thing. Yeah. Tunnel vision. You don't you get know? that. And it's yeah. like, that was a, it was interesting revelation. So it's funny that we had the same, the same thing. Same well, I had multiple so. people too approach me unsolicited too. So I would say I folks. I thought you were that bad. So. I, I don't think I was. Gina's but, rolling rise, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, but when you have multiple people, right. you, you can, you can do, you can make a decision, right? Cause I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So you can say, okay, these people are wrong. Well, you never see yourself, yeah. Or you can maybe perhaps entertain the idea that you're wrong. Right, right. And it took me a minute, i am be honest, I think it was like three, four months of they're being like, dude, I thought we talked about this. And, and I'm like, fuck, I think you're right. You know, I was like, fine. Nobody likes to admit they're wrong, right? Right, right. I was wrong. <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere. I decided to do something else. So now I try and as best I can well, manage it. And to your point, it is a caricature. It's, it's whatever I'm concerned about. Yep. In that moment, exactly out of taking out of context, maybe I'm too tired. Maybe, who knows? Seriously, right? Yes, and that is a reflection on you. you well, know? let me ask you this: How is it now going on there and not letting things bother you? How much more of an enjoyable experience? Way better, is it? isn't yeah, it? Way, way different. Better. It is. It's better. It, they were right. It's better all around. Yep. It's it's better all around. And then if I feel like I absolutely have to argue, I go into my private group and then I limit it. By the way. So no more than five minutes and not when I got to work during the day. So it's something that happens after everything's done. And if I want to get less sleep and argue <laughs> privately, I guess that's fine. That so, makes sense. And I still, that's not more than maybe 15 minutes a week at Oh, max. awesome. That's great. So I got it Well, because you're not changing any minds right now. If you can no. get into, I liked, you and I did the WhatsApp thing back and yeah. forth. Good stuff. That's how it's done. Perfect. I mean, that's, that's great because you're, you're, you're exchanging. It's a, it's a meeting of the minds. You're exchanging viewpoints that have a basis in something and you're you're basically just trying to show another person a different point of view and it's not like you're you suck or whatever so well another thing too that i i find it very valuable this is why i i try not to surround myself with yes people i like diversity and thought and i think that's isn't it hard to find though it is hard to find really hard and it's uncomfortable because if you're surrounded by diversity and thought you're surrounded by people who are challenging you all the time right right and i used I, i don't know why i thought this i thought that was productive for everybody. So a lot of this was a thought experiment I was running on Facebook for myself. Interesting. Okay. And just seeing how it worked for me. And it was really beneficial for me. It allowed me to change my mind. It allowed me to change some of my bad habits, yep. but it was completely ineffective for my long-term goals. Right. It's not, you don't, you don't Facebook argue with people and change people's minds. It's just, you have to do it individually right. and, and you have to be willing to change your own mind. 
and that's just not well received in general and it just wasn't working so well and the it's asynchronous somewhat asynchronous environment you're not and it you're right the little sound bite things it just doesn't work no and that you know illusions of grandeur too right ego it's all ego ego absolutely you know some of it you needed you needed some ego and then there's like too much and then you <laughs> i'm so high and mighty on my well, facebook know, there's a there's a difference between building a brand and going too far you have an ego to build a brand and build a persona or whatever that you want to build a brand around or whatever um and then going too far so. To your point, I like this. I do, though, still try and be, I don't know if controversial is the right word necessarily. Um, I don't want to be milk toast. Confrontationally or just in what, what respect? A counterpoint. Whenever I have okay. an idea about something, sure. yep. right, the first thing I do is go find everything against that idea, right? Okay. What good is an idea? If untested, you, if you can't challenge yeah. it. Yep. Right. Uh, so I, I share just because I've shared it doesn't mean I endorse it. That's why I stopped typing shit too. I figure, you know what, let's not get this confused. I'll just hit share. <laughs> right. I won't type anything. Right. Right. Maybe they read it. Maybe they don't, whatever. Right. I won't respond. And I think for me, I like to read as much counter stuff as possible. Interesting. Only because I believed a lot of dumb shit. When you're susceptible to believing dumb shit, you need to challenge yourself. So you I need to figure out how much of what you know yes, is that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And you have to read other stuff and you have to listen to other people. And I make it a habit. Why? So you're not just Hitchens. You're not just reading Hitchens. Yes. <laughs> I'm reading everything. I still read the Bible. I still, yeah. I was on uh, Christian today.com yesterday. I do these things. I, I make myself do these things. Now, usually it's very unpleasant and I don't agree and I rarely change my mind, but you're not going to change your mind if you're not reading the other stuff. The opposite view. Yeah. It's not a little bubble and I don't want to be in that bubble. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in that bubble for a long time. So I still haven't changed my mind on a lot of stuff, but it was never going to happen. Well, it's pretty cool that you realize that you're in a bubble because we're all in a bubble. We're all in the exact same bubble and it takes some introspection to figure out that you are and then to try and do something about it. So good job. Well, I, I did mean, it in my personal life too. So yeah. I got rid of, I remember one point I got rid of all my friends, start all over, got, so I went all the way out, yeah. went and did the hippie thing, all that. And that boy, that, that did not work for me. I went to, hmm. let's get to the community. Let's, you know, the community gardens and we'll do this. And it we'll didn't work. Community. That shit does not work. Dennis really does not work. I'm sure you've seen this in real life. How many people actually show up to work? Oh, even at right. work? Right. You want to talk about frustration where the metal meets the meat and actually getting things done. Is that a different crowd too. I mean, even worse. They're all gone. They're all gone. Really? Yep. They're all gone. They're still sitting in their basement, smoking weed, talking about how they're going to change the world and have done nothing, nothing. Or you go to their farm and nothing has been done. Or if you really? go to hang out with them, you're finally tired of him, them telling you about how their problems are everybody else's problems. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got a problem. And yeah. I did that for a minute too. And that's a little embarrassing, but the way you get out of it is by hanging around people who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And when I would do that, I was all of a sudden not welcome anymore. <laughs> like it was, it was good when it was going towards me and right, I, would, right, right. I would push back. And that's when I realized I need to be around people who do. That's now, have you found a community that, of, of, of urban farmers that does that kind of stuff? Right? Some. In that particular. It's a very small community. I can't believe it's still that small with all that space you guys have. It is. It's, it's remarkably small. Well, I think a lot of it is you just can't take vegetables to market and make money. Everybody thought you could. And guess what? There's somebody who can do it better for way less. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if you have five acres, you have scale you don't have. And because I have four fifths of an acre I farm, you don't make any money doing that. I'm just right. looking at this as practice, right? 
Well, and you're feeding feeding your family and you're sharing it with some other folks. Yeah. Guess what goes wrong too? Bugs eat shit. Weather ruins shit. Yeah. A lot of life comes in. Government neighbors steal stuff. Seriously. Oh yeah. All this stuff happens. Yeah. (laughs) And it's always everybody else's fault. And for me, the dividing line is when Meyer was going to come in and they were having, uh, community meetings on all the money Meyer was going to have to pay everybody in the community for opening a store. Uh, what the fuck are you guys? What's wrong with you guys? Why don't you go open a Meyer? And we need to get them to sign this collective community agreement to invest in the community for opening a store. No. Do they tell everybody to go pound sand and go find another place to open? Yes. <laughs> it, it got done and it did not go anywhere, That's but this was, funny. that was the bridge too far for, oh for Jeremy. Gosh. I'm like, you oh. know, and I don't think it was helping me hanging around with people who were making excuses for their problems. So well, that was never helped. I went too far. Like I opened yeah. too wide and now I had to close, close it back down again. So hey, thought experiment for people, maybe practice it in your life. You don't like what's going on in your life. Look at your friends. Include more friends, get rid of friends, and really just start being, here's what I do. The words coming out of their mouth is what they're doing. No, I stop taking you seriously. Right or wrong, if you're not doing what you're saying, I am done. This point gets lost on everybody. It's not a right or wrong thing. How seriously do I take you as a human? And then point that light back on yourself. And when I did that, it wasn't pretty. That was part of the finger fucking my keyboard on Facebook. I'm like... Who are you to criticize, Jeremy? Look at you, and you're doing all. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I remember I was like, I talked to you. I'm like, done. <laughs> you want to go? Nope. New friends. I was like, I don't like what I see in the mirror. That's, uh, let, let's face it, we're social creatures. We are influenced by our peer group. The people you hang out with are going to influence you in ways that good or bad. And there needs to be some monitoring process on that. So I went way out, came way back in, and very few people survived that. But it was an interesting thought experiment, too. So, And it is crazy. I For some reason, I can't run these in my head. I have to run them in real life. So, <laughs> well, Some people can Im- have better imaginations oh, no. than me. You I do it real life. Why not? I go do it real life, and it didn't work. And I tested these things. And then you ask questions like profit and loss. Can you fill it out? They don't realize that wages are expense. And you can't just make less profits. I can also understand less profits bad. That's not, you know, if you make too much profit, God, they cut. Co- I know. I weep for this country. I know. <laughs> we're so fucked. <laughs> Jeez. I was oh just, I was Facebook arguing with a lady in the private group this weekend. I was, I was, and I was being nice about it. I was trying to explain profit and losses. Like, well, no, you, you just pay them more and you don't make more profit. I'm like, I don't think you understand how this works. <laughs> Jeez. It's a big evil corporation. Yeah, there's, there's this big, e- there are big evil corporations in partnership with government who can right. monopolize Absolutely. these things. But yeah. on the free market, you make too much money, competition shows up, and yep. that eventually goes from, what do they call it, a blue ocean strategy to a red ocean strategy, yep. blood in the water, and now you're fighting to make 6% instead of 12%. That's how the free market works, folks, and you like it, whether you like it or not. You like a $1,000 flat screen TV. You like your yep. iPhone made by slaves in China, and you don't <laughs> give a shit. Right. And you're concerned about this guy flipping a burger for $8 an hour in California. No, just stop pretending. Stop pretending it's not true. And that's the dose of reality. That's, that's what, boy, that was like talk therapy right there. But I, I wonder why I want to go through it. So, cause you brought it up, it was a good point. And that's why I did it. I looked in the mirror. I looked at it. It was, it's just ineffective. And I didn't like what I saw. And so it how's work. it now? What's it, how, better? Way better. Improving way better. I try not to hang out with anybody that, 
pretty if they agree with me too much that's a problem too it, it seriously right? is well having too many yeah it's the yes man thing again yeah, yeah. that's and that's the problem too so that's actually one of the reasons why i joined the delia group so constantly challenged do you think joe just goes with whatever idea i have in my head <laughs> fuck sure. no no joe's like why then i got tommy and steve like why why does everybody just why sometimes it's overwhelming but at the same time it's a great way for bad ideas to die and yeah, guess what? Still, yeah, you but, don't lose money doing it either. Yeah, but again, just as long as if you've got a compelling personal reason to try a bad idea, you you still try it. Absolutely. Because, you know, the, the Israelis have this concept called the 10th man. You ever heard about that? No. Or I, I, think, it's, I think it's the 10th man where you get, uh, you get a council of people and wherever all nine, the, the nine or nine of the people agree, the 10th man has to disagree and has to take the opposite viewpoint on purpose. Ah, okay. Like a devil's advocate kind of situation. On purpose. Whether yeah. they agree or not, they have to take the opposite point. And they've actually done really well doing that because it, they, 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 they get the diversity of opinion that you may not get. So in this case, if everybody's against you, but you still go, you know, think of a reason why to do it, you still can pursue it. But again, it's your own idea anyway. You can try it if you want to, but then you're just not letting, cause, cause the easiest thing in the world is to say, to say no to an idea. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing to guard against, right? That's what we're talking about. So th- there's got to be a compelling reason to do it to yourself in your own mind to be able to pursue it, I would think. And ask yourself, that, and I didn't do this forever too. That's so stupid. What constitutes failure? What constitutes success? So if you hit it, you know. There needs to be some measuring process for your idea. Or it can't cost a lot of money. Right. Like this podcast is an idea. I think it's going to do well. It looks like it's doing better. The mm-hmm. last month feedback has been better. Excellent. But there was no guarantee this is going to go anywhere. So I always limited the amount of time I put into it. Yeah. I have some yearly goals. I want I want certain things to be achieved based upon how much time I invest in it. Right. Which you should. Absolutely. Should. So I planned for, okay, I'm going to put in a year really hard. And then I'm going to see how it looks then and make that decision then Excellent. moving forward. So far, I'm pretty happy with it and mm-hmm. it, it is going well. But if at any point I start trending the other way and I start losing listeners, well, that's you need to change something, right? So before I would start without an end goal in mind or any sort of measurement process. Interesting. I see where you're going. Yes. And I have a personality flaw. Quitting is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I have the same flaw. So, yeah. It is really a problem. I did it with Urban Detroit Wholesalers. Mm-hmm. I just, I used to think that there was no problem I couldn't mm-hmm. solve if I can work hard enough, and it's just not true. Sometimes you make mistakes that can't be fixed, and you just have to start over. When you have a personality where you don't like to quit, this is really problematic, and I still have the problem where I don't like to quit. In an argument with my wife, um, trying to get something done in a day, and it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm still planting something out at night. Like, I just don't like to quit. So I needed some way to like hedge my bet on the quitting. Some people quit right away. I have the opposite problem. So if you're that kind of person, set some yardsticks out, and if right. you can't do it, get a friend or somebody or hire somebody who'd be like, dude, this is going nowhere. Stop wasting your time with it. I didn't do any of that for a long time, which is why I had to implement it. Now, not everybody has this person. I don't know if it's a flaw, but it's a trait. We'll say a personality trait, right? <laughs> the, the not quitting is a problem right. even on bad ideas, right? Nobody likes a quitter, right? That's how I had it in my head. No, you need to quit. Failure is part of the process. If you want to survive, you have to have some way of quitting and living, right? 
Right. I just killed too many mo- too much money not doing that. So makes sense. And no amount of wishing makes it so. No, unfortunately, that doesn't do that doesn't do very no, much for you. No. Just, it, the world is not like the secret says it is. No. <laughs> It's funny you say that. Guess who gobbled that up like a kitten with a with a little ball of milk? Who's that? Me. Oh, seriously? Oh, God. Really? Yes. Yes. I know. It's embarrassing. No, it's I, true. I, I think it's really interesting because I know a lot of people did. A lot yeah. of people bought a hook, line, and sinker. I did. I, I, I read the book probably 50 times. I listened to it wow. probably 100 times. Hmm. And if I go in a certain way and I don't quit and it's some of it is good. Some of it makes sense. Yeah. Positive mental attitude, you know, that, that whole part of it is great, but the whole thing where you just meditate and the universe drops dollar Benjamin's on your head doesn't really work. work. No, (laughs) uh, I think they meant the market and the market doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah. Hard cold. Yeah. yeah. That that wasn't in the book. (laughs) Right. Oh, darn. We left that part out. Your idea sucks, Jeremy. We're going to punish you. Yeah. No. So, no, I took it hook, line, and sinker, unfortunately. So, that's another reason why I want a diversity of thought around me because I didn't at the time. I surrounded myself with yes men. And that's really, yeah. Yeah. I bought into the, um, we can make the change. We can go do it ourselves. No amount. No amount of difficulty, no matter what. Oh, we had a problem. We'll just work harder. We'll make less. We'll figure it out. We'll take it out over the long term. Got it. And then you take a bad it a situation. Slippery, it was just a slippery slope. A slow, right? a slow death. Yeah. A slow death right. instead of wait. Change. And I and I prolonged it by changing it to get small increases. Not enough. And that. Yeah. That's you know. It's like running into a wall and then running into a wall and then running into a wall and then convincing yourself if you just run into a wall (laughs) enough, you can get through the wall. You'll get through when you just maybe need to walk around it or stop or go do something else or head a different direction. So I didn't mean to beat that to death, but no, no, that makes you brought it up and I did it. So I was like, oh, yeah, I got to be honest with it. So yes, I, I did all that and I'm much happier now. I still have a long way to go, but much, much happier now. It's funny you say that. If you, one more thing on that. I, Yes, we, we all have a long way to go, and it just hit me, maybe because when I turn 50 or whatever, I realize I'm getting older, but it finally hit me, and you probably realize this already, but there's no finish line. I, I no. It took yeah. me 50 years to figure out there's no finish line. You never make it. But no, no, it's not that, but it's there's no finish line because the journey is the important thing. That is what matters, and it, it's literally, Jeremy, it took me 50 years to figure that out, that the journey... So what we're doing, this podcast right now, this is part of the journey. This is what's enjoyable. This is what we're going to be talking about, you know, 10 years from now, maybe, or whatever, how much fun we had. I hope it's so. It's the interactions and stuff like that, but it's the journey. And it's like, and isn't there's, you keep thinking that it's retirement. There's, a, there's all these false finish lines we put out there, but it's really not any of that. It's all about personal relationships and, and here I'm waxing philosophic about this stuff, but it just, well, I just, it just hit me so hard. I just want to throw that in as well, but it just, I'm, it was, it blew me away when I, when I finally realized that it changed my whole life. Well, also the, the ability, and that was part of the, the Facebook experiment too. Mm-hmm. I did it. So one of the positive things with it is learn how to get along and do business with people you disagree with. It, there's a big world. Why? Why? I can't think of any compelling reason to reduce the number of people I do business with. There's no reason. Because I disagree with them. It's going to have to be pretty bad. For Unless me it's to, a business disagreement, there's no reason. So what? <laughs> right? right. So, 
that is, it's like uh, disabling yourself in, in the in the business. And think how fucking boring it would be if everybody agreed with everything. You, oh my, oh my that's just not that's that's not a not you, what you want to do. You become Kanye. <laughs> Yes. And I kind of did for like a year and a half, man. I thought it was some big swinging dick in Detroit going around changing everything with all the right oh people gosh. and all that. Yeah. And it just like feeds into itself. And it's not a, now I'm, this wasn't all the time, but you know, you play the stories in your head and I'm the ego you thing. You believe your own press. Yes. No, you got to stop that. It's bad. You, you need to work with people who disagree with you. You need to have difficult conversations. You need to, not get so fucking butthurt because somebody doesn't think exactly how you think and to just get over it. Yeah, so. absolutely. Plus, in the words of Hitch, there'd be no one left to argue with. I know. How Seriously, boring would that I know, be? I know. Hitch, I love that guy. Hey, it turns so, out we all agree on everything. All right, I guess we'll just go home, right? We'll, yeah. we'll just, every we'll podcast watch is Bugs just, Bunny cartoons. I agree. Yeah, I yeah there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, every, every TV show, that's that. Everything, is, no. Nobody really wants that. No. And if you find yourself there, I promise you, you're about to get fucked. That's the reality of the situation. It really is. And I did. Yeah. And what, what do they say? It's that uh, poet. If you can't figure out who the sucker is at the it's table, you. it's you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You're like, oh. I've been in that situation more yeah. times than I'd like to admit. So, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that was exactly that situation. So now I constant disagreement. Uh, by the way, folks, don't apply this to your marriage. I tried. This did not go well. Oh, you my gosh. Ask Gina. How not to fix any problem you might have. It works in some cases, but not in all cases. So I would say use sparingly and carefully and uh, no. probably not in your love life. All you say is, yes, dear. And Something like that. That's, that's yeah. it. The, that is it. Don't do it the way I did it. <laughs> I think it was like a year and a half ago. I was talking to you like, yeah, no, it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. I, this is an experiment. It worked well for me. <laughs> just because it works for you doesn't mean it works for everybody else. I don't right. know why I had this thought in my, it worked. Work, different things work for yeah, for different people, right? Yeah. yeah, not everybody takes kindly to experiments either. So I stopped doing that as well. So interesting. It's been an interesting journey, and I have a, I have a long way to go. So that is why I'm at Keller William Royal Oak. That's why I'm in an office full of sharks doing something. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm figuring it out, and I'm being challenged all the time. How do you like being an agent? <sighs> I'm, I don't know yet. It's kind of. Um, it's different. I'm. It's it's thinking differently. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I really like it. Are you going after listings? Are you in the listings? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going after listings yeah. and thinking. The the cool thing I like about it is I'm thinking more long term. Mm -hmm. It forces you to because the sales cycle is slower. Wholesaling, you're dealing with thirty days or less problems exactly. for the most part. Yep. And interestingly, when you deal with thirty days or less problems, just it kind of reflects in your life sometimes if you're not careful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I have a good thing about me is I fall into habits and routines very easily. Bad thing about me is I fall in habits and routines really easily. Right. right. And I just wasn't thinking long term enough. Like I in the whole, with the wholesaling side. With yeah. everything. Yeah. With uh, just trying to plan oh, out. Right. Instead of going from one thing to another, where do I want to be in two years? Right. What's best for me in two years? And sometimes that costs you money now. And just thinking that way. So being around people who think in two year sales cycles. I think is a start 
is is really helpful. Plus, different sort of prospecting techniques have been interesting. Circle dialing that's been interesting. So if you get a yeah. yeah, if you get a listing for yeah. those for those listening, if you get a listing before you actually put the listing on the market, you'll do a pre-listing and then you will circle dial. You'll cold call everybody in the neighborhood, and right. you're not asking for business. You're just saying, "Hey, this house is coming up for sale." Uh, just in case you wanted to pick your neighbor. So you have a reason to call. It nice. forces people to the open house, right? Which Todd loves open houses. But right. um, <laughs> you sell houses and you right. get listings from doing Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of interesting things I'm learning. So I love learning. Um, of course, <clears throat> the talent pool can be shallow even in an office full of sharks, right? So be careful with that. It's the 80, guy 20, wandering 80, 80, from point 20, 80, right? There's a guy there, I swear to God. All he does is walk back and forth from his computer to the microwave and heat stuff up and wash things and walk back. And you could watch him every day do this. He just does the same thing every day. I take it as a cautionary tale. You know, it doesn't talk to anybody, doesn't appear to be doing any business. You're not making money if you're in the office all the time anyway, right? Probably not. No. So, uh, so just like anything, there's a, there's a bell curve. There's a bell curve, but generally positive um i have a long way to go though a lot a lot to learn so a lot of bad habits to get rid of too thinking way too short short term so it's been interesting so far i'm enjoying it it's really uncomfortable how does it fit your personality not very well um but the listing better so i entertained the idea of buyers real quick and then i couldn't even make it through a 10 minute meeting so i knew that was out right (laughs) just fucking decide on it yeah seriously i know i don't understand why you don't know what you want this boggles my mind or if you don't know what you want you say i don't know i don't understand lying about what you want and then doing something different and i gotta be a fucking detective to figure it out Right. right Just tell me. Uh, or, unfortunately, most of my training in that has been on the wholesale side, which is way too aggressive. Absolutely. Does not. Some things don't cross oh over the skill set, right? I did a few phone calls like that. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, you might want to go a little easier. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that doesn't translate too well. So. To, to your point, though, I get immediate feedback working in the office, too. Joe's walking around. Other people are oh, walking nice. around. They hear you on the phone. They yeah. hear you on the phone. Nice. So that that's really good. Feedback for me, that's what I need to my goal is just increase the level of feedback in my life from people who aren't total ass clowns. They've been where you've been, where you, yes. you've already, where you want to go. Yes. Doing it like, Hey, why yeah. don't you try doing it this way? And of course I fight it because well, that's what I do. Right. No. What about this? What about that? Right. <laughs> like, oh, just do it. You know, like, why? so you have this constant friction. So, right. which is good. I mean, that's, there's no friction in my garage. I turned my garage into an office. There's no oh, friction working. It's been, hasn't it been? You a big heater out there and everything? Oh, yeah. yeah. But I made it nicer now since the last time. Oh, yeah, I turned it into a full office. Over, so. Yeah, because I lost my office and all the lawsuits and all that. So yeah. I ended up working out of my, I didn't have no place to work and I couldn't work in my house. I ended up just playing. So right, I, had, right. I had to make like a spot to work. Nice. There's no friction there. Everybody agrees with me there. That, that's problematic too. So Absolutely. nobody's asking you what you're going to do, where you're going to go, how you're going to do it. Is that the best way to do it? What do you do? You get any appointments this week? Like, it just doesn't happen. I like that. Plus, I like seeing people do things. For whatever reason, I've never been a jealous type. When I see somebody do something big, that's exciting to me because if they can do it, I can do it. And there's always something big happening as well. There's closings all day, oh, every good. day. They're doing that, that much business then, huh? Yeah, there's nice. a lot of agents crammed in that office. So there's almost always a closing going on. Somebody's always getting a new listing. Somebody's always closing a new deal. Somebody's always making more money. So so that's that's an exciting thing to be around. It is because you're chasing, so, which is good. That's yeah. a good thing. And you're seeing lots of different ways of attacking the same problem. Sometimes I'll just go hang out by the by the door and listen to another team dial for five or ten minutes. 
you're just like, man, that's good stuff. What different approaches to the same problem. And for that, I really, really like it. It's nice. just a lot of different ways to, to attack the same problem. More diversity in thought, more trying to change my mind about how I do things. This sounds crazy to some people. If you have a hard time changing your mind like me, this is what you need. <laughs> if you don't have a hard time changing your mind, this is probably sounds crazy. Well, I got to hand it to you, though. You know, going outside your comfort zone, learning new things. I mean, it's all, all the stuff you should be doing to, to grow yourself. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I also now realize I'm not likely to be in charge of people or it just does not fit my personality. I can't pay attention. I'm impatient. I yell. I think it should be done right. Like I'm just the worst person to run a team. <laughs> so I, I'm like, if I want to make more money, I need to increase the zeros at the end of my transaction yep. because I'm probably not going to be running any team, let alone a fortune 500 company. If you are, that's fine. You go do that thing, right. but you have to realize what you're not going to be too. That's maybe sounds a little depressing. It, just not me. I, I ran a company and I ran it like shit. I wasn't a very good boss. I didn't follow procedures. I wasn't good at managing employees. Yep. I wasn't good at holding them accountable. When I gave them feedback, it was the wrong way and a bad way. Yeah. yeah. No. So am I going to go, how many years am I have to go be some great lead? No, not going to work. At least now in my life. Right. I'm not saying in the future, I, I can't maybe be rehabbed or something like that. So, and I had this idea that that's what I was going to do. It's not going to work, you know. So increase the zeros on my transactions. So it's overrated. I um, my last job I had eleven direct reports. This one I have got seven, and uh, I didn't even want this one. And I, it kind of a, com, a comedic series of events, uh, and it just it's all people issues. It's all people issues, you know. Um, I wanted to be an individual contributor at this at this job, and it just didn't. I had to move up and it was just, it was disappointing because it just managing people takes a special skill, takes a special temperament. Um, it can be enjoyable, but it's 80% dealing with personal issues and not the work. Yes. My life's too fucked up. What am I going to tell you to do? Yeah, exactly. I got to, I got to get myself in the right place. I'm going to go tell you how to do it. Yep. And if I do, I'm yelling at you. This is not going to work. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know what you mean. I had a woman come into my office once a week crying, oh. crying. I had a guy, how do you even do that? So it's I, like, tell me about it. I come, my wife asked me on Thursdays, did she come in and cry today? I said, yeah, she came in and cry, cry today, oh, every Thursday. Dude, I would die. <laughs> no. Just shoot me. But you know, but again, you're the boss. And so, you know, and people don't want tough love all the time, but they want it sometimes. And you got to figure that out. That's the weird thing, man. Not for me. No, I know. It's not. I, I suck at this kind of thing. I I would, uh, was it uh, that Tom Hanks movie? Oh, League of Your Own? There's no crying. No crying in baseball. No, that would be me. I know, I know. Like, oh, do you know you look like a dick? You're like, <laughs> I don't understand why things aren't going my way. Right. If you're that guy, you just have to admit it sometimes. You I'm know, that guy. That's half the battle. Yeah. So I'll, I'm sure I will tone out as I get a little older. I, I tend to, to tone out a little bit. So, But stay in your lane. That's, that's what I do. And I have a lot of strengths. So I'm persistent. I don't like to quit. I can hyper focus for a long time on one thing. Right. So I, why should I go spend all this time trying to, I'm not even like a seven to get to a 10 in leadership. I'm like a two right. and I got to get to seven to even well, like manage fucking some, McDonald's. That's a some, long way to go. You some know? really smart person said, I don't know who it is. And I, I, I'm stealing this concept. They said, you're stupid to work on your weaknesses, work on what you're good at, make it better, get to the 10 
it's easier to go from eight to 10 than it is from going two to seven. Yes. And if you get more satisfaction, you're not outside your comfort zone so much. And so everybody, the, the thought had been in management strategy to bring up your low performers when you should really be spending your time with your high performers, making them better because they're going to yield more results for you. Yes. So anyway. Way, way better way to go and has improves your self-esteem because all of a sudden you start building a track record of successes instead yeah. of constant failures, right? That's true. My, my life is a series of constant management <laughs> failures. You get a little down Every, about it sometimes, is. right? Everybody is. No. I suck at everything. No, you don't. You're just working on all the things you suck at. Stop it. Know, Go stop do all it. the things you're good at. No, stop yeah. it. So that's what, that's what that's why I'm trying, attempting to do. I, I'm getting a measure of a success. So I will update this journey as it goes along too, but so far pretty happy about it i'm also going to start um next week targeting some commercial buildings too so start going after some apartment listings for listings yeah nice things like that so i took my first what was it uh uh ccim um ci 101 financial wow, class nice yep so are you gonna go all the way through i'm gonna go all the way through wow good for so, you so well hey I need I need to flip some apartments. I need to list some apartments. I need more I need more zeros, more transactions, bigger transactions, and I'm much better suited for the investment side than I am for the retail side. You know, you and I should compare notes once you get there because apartment sellers are bigger babies than house sellers are. It's crazy. They're more emotional. I've had people almost get down on the ground and get in, have a temper tantrum fit. Grown men, old men at you know, because they want an extra five grand at closing. It's Jeremy. I, I'd love to hear your experience. We got, we got to trade trade stories. Once you get I there. will. Once I start oh doing gosh. a few of these, I'm sure it'll be good. I was like, yeah. I want to go back to single family houses. There's too much drama in apartment buildings. It was that bad for a while. So, well, that's another reason I joined a team. I'm pretty sure I could be a good listing agent because the Delia group takes care of all the shit I'm terrible at. I don't have to manage people. They make sure the phones get answered. They make sure the paperwork's done correctly. They make sure everything is done well. They hire the photographers. All the marketing goes out. You're in excellent hands. What I'm not going to be, though, is a buyer's agent because you would not oh be gosh. in excellent hands, folks. I will refer you to an excellent <laughs> buyer's agent who could do better in the first week than I could after 10 years of doing it. So That's a whole other personality, special personality that Thank God God invented those people because we don't want to do it. Back to it'd be boring if everybody was the same. So if you think you suck at something, <laughs> maybe consider joining a team. Do what you're good at. Right. Let well, that's the team a good, do that's what they're good, good group at. too. I mean, they're doing well. They're successful, right? You're saying it's a good group to be a part of. Oh, they're right? killing it. Yeah. Good for him. They're killing did it. Did he build that from, did he buy it or did he build it from his own? From nothing. Good for him. For nothing. Him and Renee. I don't know if you listened to the podcast with Renee, but his wife is. I did not. I saw, I just saw it. So pretty smart. One of the smartest people I've ever That's talked great. to. And I was in the Navy with some fucking geniuses and she's right up there at the top. So especially when it comes to processes and I don't know how they manage people that when you do, when you can't do it, it always seems amazing. It seems like Superman shit, but it, it is kind of Superman shit to me. They can somehow make 25 people work together well. And it's people like me too. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not an easy thing to do. I know. I know. I couldn't do it. So. Anyway, enough about me. Something I'm interested in, you're very big in the processes. Do you have, I know we were talking about Evernote, and I think it was human error, failed me or I failed Evernote, one of the two. Um, when, you're, when you're doing your wholesaling, are there any apps or do you use a CRM or kind of what does 
what is the what does it look like when it comes in and yeah. how do you process it because i know you don't go to the house but before you send your your partners to the house there, there's some sort of process how do yep. you manage that yeah you know what and that's a oh yes. talk about the the bugging the bug in my butt or whatever this is the I've been not struggling. I'm I'm looking for the killer solution to this. That that's the one part of my process that's not tight. Um, I manage my leads on Excel. Um, I do again because I'm doing the direct mail myself. I just do mail merges and stuff. It's very easily. I've got a great system where I've got basically leads and columns and dates of follow up. And I I know when if it's a and I'm not exactly a, you know if I, if it's June seventh I got sent something. If I do it on the eighth or the sixth, I don't really care. But you know, so I know when I'm doing my mailings. What I don't have a good process for yet, I'm saying I don't have. A good, I have a good process. It's not an optimal process. So I'll get a call. I um, I'm a pen and paper guy. This is my. I'm showing my. Um, I use a Rodia notebook. Um, I write the property. It's just basically a diary. And I write every time I get a call. I, I start in the back, and I've, these are all my property notes. So my last several pages are property notes. So I take down all the information from the person. Um, what, you know, what, all the particulars about it. I try to get motivation. You know how it is. You oh, try yeah. to get motivation. And I, because I'm doing a warmish handoff, I want to make sure I try to go overboard and get the motivation in terms of why somebody's selling and get as much as I can and to get them talking. I mean, I've had, I've had people talk to me for 45 minutes and, and, and I've gotten every one of those deals because you become their best friend. If you listen to them for 45 minutes, think you're a brilliant conversationalist, right? Even though you haven't said anything, right? <laughs> So, so again, log them in here, um, email my partners, um, Ron Walraven and I actually share an iOS calendar so I can really just look at his calendar and see when he's available and book it. That works really well because then he shows up. I've already told him and it's not Dude, that's like, that's kind of genius. It is. And I'd love, and, but you know, the thing is, is that, um, uh, Cowper is one of my partners as well. Great guy. I love Mike. He's great. We've done, done a lot of deals together. He is uses Google Calendar, and we can't get it to sync up yeah, where I can see nice. it. Yeah, it doesn't play nice with the iOS, and so I'd love to be able to see his and then book him in there as well. So, but he's got a, a buyer's agent now, Jay, who's a really good guy, and so I'm going to start see if he's got an iOS calendar to do that because that works the best. Um, otherwise, I'll email for Steve. I've got to go through you and Steve. I go through yeah. the, the virtual assistant. Doesn't work as well um, because we talked about follow up and that type of thing. And, and basically it just goes into the ether. I don't like that as well as, as some of the other strategies, but once, once it's, it's there, I put it into Trello is what I use. Okay. Um, I have boards in Trello. I had them, my boards in Trello as, as, um, steps in the process. So I still have an inbox of stuff that's unassigned. So I haven't put given it to a partner yet. They're color coded by geography. So I've got four areas. So they're, different color codes. Oh, so it's visual. That's interesting. I'm a visual planner. Yeah. I'm a totally visual planner. So I've got to be able to see, I have to, and I'll show you, I've got a, um, this is why I love asking these questions too. Two things to look at. Um, again, again, you may, if you're a visual planner, the concept is from, um, plannerpads.com. Plannerpads.com is a website. It's a visual look at your week tasks, funnel down into daily task groups, funnel down into daily, what you're going to do every day from that list funnels into appointments. I don't use the appointments thing because I'm, I'm, I use my phone so I can get the, the, um, the alarms and the alerts and stuff like that. But that's how I, do, I plan my week. I do broad task groups. So for example, money, 
anything I, you know, I have one of my tasks is one of my groups is money. So do I have an eviction or whatever, something that that deals with, with money in my pocket, property management, if I've got to do anything, property management for my houses and then my wholesaling and then all the other stuff all across the top. And then I go by day. It's like, what am I going to get done every day? Well, I've got to check my leads every day. So I, I, that's every day. And then I put in the tasks that I'm going to use. So I funnel it that way. Um, Trello is, is very similar in terms of I can see everything that I have. And so like planner pad, and I basically do a knockoff in my, my diary here uh, so I can see the entire week. And I use that as my, um, my, my guidepost every week. So Trello, then I've got, so in Trello, I've got my boards now are my, my columns are now geography. And so I, I can see all the deals in Phoenix. I see all the deals here. Um, and then when they go into a geography, then I color code them by who's doing them. So I've got a couple partners here. And so they, so I know where Ron's are. I know where Mike's are. I know where your guys's are. And so I know then, um, the cool thing about Trello is that I can set alarms for follow-up and that's my, where I think I do a very good job, but my, my, where this, my process fails is that I've got to go then if I get, say for example, today I got four calls. I hate entering stuff into Trello because I've already got it in my planner. I know I'm not going to, there's no alarms in my written planner, but I've got to then enter everything into, and then when Ryan goes to see it, he, he gives me a summary. The cool thing with, with iOS, he gets the appointment off his iOS calendar. He'll type the comments in the, in, after my, I'll give him all the comments about all the information about the, the appointment in the notes of the appointment. And then when he goes and sees it, he'll put the notes and what's happened right in it right after my notes. That's an interesting way to share. It's really cool. It works really, really, really well. So then I can find out, okay, is this a follow-up? Did the guy laugh at us? Is this a deal or whatever? And then I go from there. So I'll put it in Trello. If it's a, if, if it's a warm follow-up, I'll put it in for the next week. And then I just do a drip after that. And so my alarms go off and Trello will let you, it'll, it'll email you the alerts, which is good. So I'll know that I got to follow up with this guy today and I'll send him a text or give him a call or whatever, follow up that way. So not great. I've looked at Podio. I've looked at, um, uh, what's the one that Londo uses? Zoho. Zoho. I've looked yeah. at Zoho and the property model. It's not stuff. visual at all though. It's not visual. And that's no. where, where I get lost. I've got to see everything. And it's just a, it's a character flaw. But again, like we talked about, you figure out if, why do I want to change myself? I'm already really good at visual yeah. planning. So instead of, trying to fit myself into a podio or a Zoho where I know it's going to drive me nuts. I'd use a Trello or a board where I can see everything. And it's, it's de-stressed my life incredibly just by going with what, you know, going with the grain instead of trying to go against the grain. It's funny you say that because I love Zoho, except I still like have a whiteboard where I put some stuff because I want to see it. Right. So that's why I'm interested. I'm like, cause I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm as visual as you, but it, it doesn't, it, it has everything there, but I like to see some things like in an actual visual way, not just as something I click on in a CRM. Right. So right. maybe I need to check that out. And you have, I like how you're doing it by geography and by who has it too, by color. So you can tell at a glance really fast. Right. Well, and the thing too, I like about, about Trello is that, um, um, Steve's for example, right? So Steve, he, he has a virtual assistant, it's the process takes longer to get updates. And so I know that if I haven't heard on these three properties that I sent to Steve, I email them. And if I haven't heard and I, and I look in and I'll realize, and again, it's some of it's a memory. So I know if I've got, if Steve has three properties outstanding, I haven't heard from him. I'll email them. And I'll, when I go back to it in, in a few days later, I'll, I'll, it'll remind me. It's like, Oh yeah, I emailed these guys. I haven't heard back. I'll email them again. I don't necessarily do detailed notes as when I email Steve. Cause I, because you know, I don't ever have enough deals. I mean, right now we probably have open 
I maybe have ten things open, not an inordinate amount. I can I know where everyone. Yeah, it's not three hundred. It's not. God willing, it'll be some point, some some point. So, but it's not yet. And so that's my. But honestly, Jeremy, that's my issue. I'm looking to scale. My process doesn't really scale that much yet. And so I need to figure out the the right way to do it so that they can scale. Because I'm looking for okay. Ron gives me feedback. He'll text me. He loves to text more than anything else. So I got. I really like to get away that I could funnel that feedback directly from text my text into whatever I'm using. Yes, that's you why know, I hate text. To in, integrate email it. it to me so I can copy and paste it. You exactly. know exactly. So, but, but you have to communicate with people the way they communicate. Exactly. Right? And so, yeah. and again, it works out well. So again, you know, and I know that uh, Cowper. I think he uses RealFlow or Podio. They've changed several times. I know, and so, so and, and even since the podcast I did with them, they've changed. So, oh, really? Okay, yeah, so they, they're having a hard time finding something that they like too. But the interesting thing is, is that I don't really care. I wish everybody there was one killer app that everybody used. That'd yeah. be wonderful. We could all share. It's not. No. If you got something you like, then tell me. I'll enter in. Just let, what? Let me know. But that way, I can go in and I can see what's going on. I don't have to bug you for an update every every week or whatever because normally when you know if, if if somebody that's contributing deals into the system can have view access as well in a lot of these different systems so that's fine for me as well i don't care that's a good so, point you like some sort of remote access where you can see what's going on and right be well kept i'm up not bugging you for for updates yeah. and everything and and whatever so and i've tried having you know a google spreadsheet with the, the stuff that's going right now and i don't like that because i don't can't, you can't take notes in it you know, I developed another um, thing for work. How I I manage my day to day. What I do is I'm a program director at Ella. I manage a, a lot of really big projects, and so I probably have got seven major projects going on right now. All of them are big, but if you think about it, most of the time you're only really working on one or two things in each one of the projects at a time. So you're breaking down into tasks. So what I've got is a spreadsheet, a big spreadsheet with all the projects in the columns and the dates along in the, in the rows. And so I'll go in on project number one and, and kind of do an update. This is what I'm doing today in this project. And it becomes a diary of what's happening in the project as it goes. I have a section for action items I've asked people to do. And so that's how I manage it there. I'm trying to think of something like that. will work my properties, but I think I have too many. Cause again, I can't see them all on the spreadsheet. I've got to scroll over and that drives me nuts. I, yeah. it's like, I, I got OCD really bad. I got to be able to see everything on a screen. And if <laughs> I, I think did, we all do. Don't it'd be, it'd be six point font. I wouldn't be able to read it if it's all on one screen. Right. So I'm looking for the killer app. So if you've got any solutions, if and you too, if you're listening, if you've got any solutions, I'd love to hear what the killer app is. Well, I have so. a temporary solution for your, um, your eye calendar. It's not going to last very long. It's an app called Sunrise. Oh, they've already decommissioned it. Yeah. It's gone at the end of August, but it will it still work or is it going to stop working? They're, I don't, I think they're going to delete it. I'm not entirely sure. It does, though, play nice with Google and iCalendar. Really? So I can, because I have like six people's calendar that I have to be able to get access to, plus everybody and, at the Delia group. And Sunrise does all that. Sunrise does all that. Waller, so. I should listen to you. So well, the problem is it, it's going to they're going to they're going to kill it because they were bought by uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. So that's Satan. I'm going to have to find something else um, if it's going to go away because it's the only thing I found when you need access to multiple people's calendars and nobody want Google's like fuck you and <laughs> iPhones like well fuck you too and 
it doesn't play nice and then you end up me emailing and texting and yeah you can't have there's right. like a dozen people i need access to their calendar to book appointments you know does that does not work so i if i when i find something else cuz it's been low on the priority list cuz i like i got another 2 months before i have to really worry about it uh i will let you know cuz i will, i want to find something that would cause, be great cuz it'd be it's a great way. Well, you know, you, you share calendars with people, right? To be able to do that. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, I'm surprised more people in this business don't do it. Ron was the first one he suggested. It's like, this is freaking brilliant. Dude, two years ago, I didn't even use a calendar. I know it seems hard. Seriously. Really? I didn't put a single thing in a calendar. I mean, you had paper or just not at all? Not really at all. You had kept everything in your head. Yeah. This probably explains a lot of the results too, right? Wow. (laughs) I'm not proud of it, but that's, uh, I did write some things down. I attempted to do the Franklin thing for a little while and I carried it around and no, but now everything goes in the calendar. It just, if it doesn't go in a calendar, it goes in the CRM and it needs to. What are you doing CRM wise? You using Zoho? Zoho and uh, team leads. Team leads. I'm still learning. That's a Keller Williams thing. Expensive as shit, but I don't have to pay for it. Joe's paying for it. That's the downside to that one. Here's something so else. Instead of your Franklin, I, I got a new a new um, planning solution or new kind of journaling, whatever. It's called Bullet Journal. Go to Bullet bulletjournal.com. Okay. Tremendous. It's a it's a simple way of tracking what you're doing on a daily basis in, and organizing it. It's like the it's like a it, it's not like Franklin, but it is like Franklin. And so you can do it in one notebook. There's no dividers or anything. That's, a, that's what kind of is less attracted to me because I, I'm again, linearly focused. I like all my project stuff together with it. Like Franklin, you could put a tab in there and have everything under one tab that you were doing in one particular, you know, deal or business or whatever. This is stuff that's spread all over the place, but it talks about how to index and everything and, and how, how to make it, how to do it just as part of what you're doing every day. It's brilliant. I was, I'm blown away by it. So I've been using it for now going on two years. So, well, for the podcast, I've been using Evernote because Evernote's awesome. every one of these episodes gets yeah. written up and I have questions that way I don't have to remember everything and I have it forever. And I don't know why I never used it before. And I was, I was like, well, how am I going to do this? Am I going to email it? Am I going to have a word doc? I'm like, no, it needs to be, I hate Google docs. I can't seem to make that shit work for uh, right. the life of me. So I started using Evernote and that, that really works. It's I can incredible. share with people. I can I can do I can edit. It allows me to do a lot of copying and pasting too, which is how I do this podcast ten hours or less a week. Yeah. Eighty percent of it's just a copy and paste if you do it right, and then you just have to write the new stuff for the new one. And that that's really working for me, except for today. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I should have used the web app and not the computer app or something. I don't know. So I had to wing it, folks. Sorry about that. <laughs> Everything works. Things that, happen. I need to work a on a backup tool. I use plan that. I use that. that to consolidate my leads, right? So pull them out. I, I manipulate them in there, and then I put them into Excel after that. So it works really well. And, and, and a bunch of others. I've got 2,400 notes in there now. It's just so awesome. I just love it. Yeah. So, How long have we gone? Because I have some more questions. We're at two hours and 48 minutes. It's up to you. Okay. I've well, got time. Okay. you got time. Good. Boy, it's going to be a long one, folks. Because, um, <laughs> it's going that long. Huh? Yeah. It seems amazing. Well, that's how you know it's working, right? If, if, it, if it's almost three hours and you don't even notice, you've done something um, right, I think. Well, I'm just glad you're talking, too, and it's not just me. So. Yeah. <laughs> you get mad at both of us. So. Right. Um, how do you structure your day? Um, I know it might be different on every day, but you have a family. You have a, what we call it, a square job, right? You day have, job, yep. You have rentals, and you have an active wholesale business. You're doing some coaching for some national, I mean, you're busy, right? So obviously 
you have to structure your day somehow. How do you structure your day? You know, that's a great question. Um, and it took a lot of doing. Um, first thing I did, and this is back in 04 when I, when I first started real estate investing. And it's the first thing I counsel any new person that calls me. It's like, have you talked to your wife yet? So talk to your wife or your husband and you need to sit down and at, first of all, talk, tell her what you're doing. Make sure she's good with it. And then ask her to go off and then figure out how much time you think you have during the week. And then you do the same thing, and but you do it independently. And then you get back together and compare notes and take her list, basically, right? Because she's the one going to be driving how much time you have. Now, if you negotiate, that's fine. And I came up with, you know, X amount of hours. And we did that. And we blocked off the time because we had a lot of kids stuff because the kids were really little. They were in, And I want to spend time with them, obviously. I didn't yeah. want to do real estate. Doing that be absentee father, right? Right. But again, so it works well when they were really young because then, then, you know, they were going to bed at 7, 8 o'clock. So I had a time in the evening, a couple hours every evening to do that. So that works. And we still do that. Now, this year is a little bit different. This year we said it's balls to the wall. We're hundred percent in on this because we're trying to pay down some debt and some other things. And so the business is taking a priority this year over a lot of other things that normally wouldn't. But um, normally it's, you know, I've got to put in my, my time at work. Obviously that's paying my rent or paying my mortgage and putting food on the table. So we, we, that, that chunked out. I don't mess with that. I don't do business stuff at work. I'll take calls occasionally, but I work enough that I, you know, it works out. Right. And then I figured, Jeremy, honestly, if you're really honest with yourself, you can really do one thing in the evening, one, one thing a week, or a day to really do justice to it. So either it's, I, well, on, on one of my lists, I pull the leads down every day or every other day. And so I, I, I work that in, but really it's like, um, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do the contract consulting with, with them. So that's blocked out. Um, Fridays, I start to process my weekly leads. Saturdays, I do some more of that and finish them up on Sundays and get them, get them ready for mail. Um, and, and so that's really, I've got Monday and Wednesday to play with and I figure out, okay, what other, what other stuff in this, um, in everything I'm doing needs to happen this week. And I figure out what's the highest priority. And sometimes like tonight, um, which is a Wednesday, I, you know, being so busy, I realized, and it was, it's funny. I realized about two months ago, I don't have time to just not do anything and think about my business. Just think, think about what's good, what, what, what I'm doing, what's working, what's not working. So I've now started to build in every couple of weeks, a couple hours, I'll sit out here and smoke a cigar or get in the hammock on the weekend and just think about my business and just really go through it and what's working, what's not come up with ideas. I've come up with some really good ideas on that's how, you know, one of the, one of the reasons, one of the ways I came up with expanding into other markets as well um, and finding partners and that kind of thing is it was when I was having this thinking time. So it's not really a hardcore scheduling, but I'll know from my list, if I've got rental stuff I need to do, that's pretty easy since it's all property managed right now. And then right now the ones that aren't property managed, I will, whenever they turn over, I'll, I'll switch them over to property management. So I'm pretty much done with the management of the rentals right now. Um, I call the plumber every once in a while. Right now I've got a, a, a clogged up um, uh, sink tub drain. I've got to call the plumber and have that done. But that's that's a text to get it done, right? So, but really then it's figuring out on Monday and Wednesday what I can fit in, what's the highest priority I am to fit in. And I do that in the evening. And sometimes it's go, going to coffee with my wife, right? Or going doing something with the kids. Now, it's going to be interesting in, in um, between... 
September and March, my kids are swimmers. My son swims at Brother Rice. My daughter swims at Marion. There's a lot of swim meets in there as well. And so I'll be, I'll be scheduling those in there as well, which would be fun. I'd lo- I like doing it. And we're, to, to add another thing is that we're also the treasurers on the Brother Rice swim team. And so we spend time doing that as well. So again, it's a lot of stuff. Damn, you're a busy dude, man. But you know, you know, here's the thing, Jeremy, right? Everybody has more time than they think they have. And so my challenge this year was I want, we want to get this debt paid down. I was like, okay, what else can I find this positive ROI that I can add in? I cut out seven hours or eight hours out of my process by doing, by spending a couple grand, you know, about seven grand. Cause actually the printer was 800 bucks, I think 700 bucks, whatever. So I spent six grand on tools that took, got, got me seven hours back. Yeah, you bought a lot of time. I bought a huge amount of time for, for money. You know, take advantage of it, right? Yeah, so, you're not getting more time. Right. And so that way I took on this contract consulting stuff, right? So I do that six, eight hours a week. That's where I spent the time. It went directly from one high ROI activity to another high ROI activity without impacting the first one. And so what I'm, and I'm, I am always trying to do that. I'm trying to figure out what other high ROI thing I can do. And the problem that I've got right now is that I'm maxed right now. And I just, a, a friend of mine, um, Eric Brown, who you, who, who's one of my, if I have a mentor, he's a, my apartment mentor. The guy's an awesome guy, you know, Urbane, Eric Brown, Urbane Apartments. Yeah, yeah. You talk to him. Yeah. Um, he had this idea. He, he ran by me. He wanted to, go to work together on it. And I want to try and fit it in and I'm having trouble fitting it in. So I owe him a phone call actually right now. I need to get, get, get in touch with him. But I wanted to fit this in because it made sense. But it was it, it's a longer term thing. It's not an immediate payout, but it's a high ROI thing that's going to take some some groundwork to do. And so I've, I'm trying to fit that in. I'm trying to see if it'll fit right now, doing some initial things with him. And so my wife is going, you're going to take on one more thing? It's like, well, I'm going to see, right? I don't know that I'm maxed out until I add something else and see if I can do justice to it. And that's what I tell people. It's like, if you think you think you're 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 too busy try to add something else and i'll bet you find the time for it if it's positive roi that's the, been the amazing thing jeremy you know my kids are a little older you know they're not well even even when they were younger again they're going to bed at eight o'clock at night i get and i had all the time in the evening to do as well and now it's they're a little bit older we spend different time together you know i still spend time with them i'm still and the, the benefit is i still get out of work at, at a time where i can get home by six o'clock to have dinner with the family. So I still did that every night as well. So everything st- still seems to be working okay in terms of the family and the balance and everything that, that's with everything. So it's, I've, I finally find a, a way to make it work. And so interesting question. Yeah. Um, how much time do you spend on bigger picture stuff away in the future versus like, we'll say 10 year plan versus quarterly plan right now? None. Okay. I don't because Honestly, my rentals, uh, you know, I actually should say none because I'm always looking for more rentals. And, and my that's rental, a way, that's a, like a lifeliner. That's like uh, retirement right there. It, it really rentals, is. Yeah. It really is. You yeah. know, because honestly, um, we made the decision back when the kids were like three, when we looked at the math, we wanted to send them to Catholic school. Big, big expense, Right. We got to the point where they were in middle school or in, in elementary school, and we said, you know, we need to make a decision whether or not we have colleges, four kids in college, we got high school, can we send them to Catholic high school? We kind of made the decision that, you know, no freaking way in hell, because again, you have four kids, you got to treat them all the same. I can't pay for college for first one. Yeah. And Sorry, then, number three. Yeah. Number two, spend all the money. So, but, <laughs> so we figured what we would do is send them all to Catholic high school, right? So 
we were able to, 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 to do that. And so, um, because of that, we don't have a lot of traditional retirement because a lot of it's going to tuition. Now the two at Hillsdale got my, my oldest got almost 85% covered. The second one got about 65% covered. So they did really well. High school really did pay the dividends we thought they would. So that's a good thing, but it still didn't do anything for our retirement. So the rentals are our long-term plan. Um, and that's, so that's what we're looking for. So I'm still selectively looking to buy them when they come up and it pisses me off. Two of the people you've had on your, your podcast, one of them stole a deal that I was going to buy from the other one. And I ended up losing the deal on a rental house. I'm, it still makes me really mad. So anyway, <laughs> but it, it, it is what it is. I'm not that mad. So, but again, I'm still looking for rentals. So that's what, that's my long-term planning. Again, only because of this year, 2016, it's balls to the wall do whatever as much as we can to cram it in for 12 months and see what we can't do to knock this down. Cause honestly I was thinking too, is that if I can get this going, you know, good enough on the wholesale thing, maybe I can quit my job and, and spend more time doing it. Maybe expand an even more market. So that's an option as well. And plus I told the kids, if I, if I, <laughs> we, we do one of the things we do too, that I think everybody should do is we share in family successes. So I close a big deal or I buy a rental house. We go to dinner and you know, it's funny because we were, didn't have two nickels to rub together. We started out when they were little going to Olive Garden. So now Olive Garden is the traditional place because <laughs> only because we couldn't afford it, but now it's a traditional place. So now we're, we're going to OG and it's tradition. like, you know, it's yeah. great. So yeah. it became a tradition. So it's really cool. So we, we do that as well. Um, I told them that this year, if I can make my salary in wholesaling, we're, I'm going to take them to uh, California for the week after Christmas. We've always wanted to do that. My wife's got relatives there, and I've always wanted to see the the um, the uh, the boat parade. They do a yacht parade um, in off Newport Beach and around Babel Island and stuff. It's really cool. The boats are lit up. It's a week between Christmas and New Year's. It's really cool. Oh, I've always wanted to see that. Never seen it. And so that's that's the family success thing. If I can make if I can meet my goal for the year. So anyway, dude, that would be awesome. It would be awesome. But we should, again, sharing in the family successes and that way the kids have a vested interest in what's going on because, you know, they know that they get these rewards if we do well and you get buy-in. Get buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. If everybody, if everybody buys in, it's not, it's not nearly the problem, right? That's half my life. Not getting buy-in, get buy-in. It's important. It is. It is. But again, so I don't recommend you do this unless you're, you know, you don't plan but our plan was for 2016, just focus on this thing. And here's the thing too, what I did too, is I used to hate processing leads. I used to think it was drudgery. I would moan and complain until I finally said, you know what? This is a major business. It could be huge. I need to stop doing that. I think I need to treat it like a job. I've had a job for 25 years. If I treat it like a job, be very, you know, efficient and go. And now I love it because I, I see, you know, I, I think about, Hey, one of these guys is a $10,000 payday for me. And so I'm actually excited to process my leads. I changed my entire mindset to treat it like a business and as a positive thing rather than, Oh, I got to do this again. So I, I, that's been huge because I was spending so much freaking time doing it and have that negativity, yeah. you know, and just, it was, and uh, you know, my wife would be, oh, you're doing leads again. And it's like, oh, she could tell by the look on my face. And now it's like, hey, I just did 125 leads and it was the greatest thing ever, you know, because one of these guys is going to be a good deal for us. So positive attitude. Really? It's money, right? It's funny how it works. Yeah. Every, you're happier and it's happy is a good thing. Well, that was another reason I, for some reason, I can do about three and a half, four hours of really high quality work alone. Mm-hmm. And then it's a downward spiral after that, which is good because it used to be like an hour and a half. (laughs) 
So yeah. accountability is a good thing. It is. Going into an office for me is annoying as fuck, but I'm doing I'm doing way better because of it. So yep. it's like a catch twenty two. I don't know why that limit is with me. I do really well, and it's like it's really like dropping off a cliff. Next thing you know, I'm clicking on Facebook. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I know, right. Stop it. Right. Why am I defeating myself? Right. So it's funny you say that. You treat it like a job. And if you can't, treat it like a job. Um, this next section, um, like success habits, routines, books, podcasts, if there's anything that you think has been um, either very beneficial to, for you or something that should be avoided entirely, either a book, <laughs> podcast, a seminar, even depending on how far out. How there about a website? Our website. Yeah. yeah. Stay the hell away from bigger pockets, man. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I mean, not just bad, but they, they, you know, they don't vet any of the people on their podcasts. They talk about illegal crap all the time. Like it's totally okay. I got to mean to trash them. But I, oh, story. Got time for a story. Absolutely. I wrote, Again, I like to be, I learned how to write and I, I kind of came into my own about 12 years ago. I, I like to write bombastic and inflammatory stuff Yeah, because you either love it or you hate it, but you have a reaction to it. All this milk toast stuff, I can't stand it. Yeah, so milk toast doesn't work. I don't so think. I wrote a post, a blog post called section eight sucks. And I wrote this 800 words, a thousand word post on my experience and how it's, and I, the title was section eight sucks. Had it on my blog, got tons of comments on it. I posted to bigger pockets and I, and I, I had a whole series of them that I wrote. I did property management sucks and several other ones. Um, the boyfriend disorder and a bunch of other really, really funny, different, different posts. Um, my section eight sucks article on bigger park pockets rose to number the number two most commented post on all the bigger, bigger pockets. My sec, my property management sucks post rose to like number 10 or number nine. They de-indexed me. Josh de-indexed me because I was about three comments away from taking over his big, his, he was number one. I was within three comments of taking over the top spot on bigger pockets. So he de-indexed me. Ego. And I went, excuse me, what's going on? And they said, well, we like to make sure that everybody has a chance to rank high. It's like, that's a bunch of crap. You DX me, index me because I was getting more comments than he was. Oh, my God. And then, so I deleted all myself of Bigger Pockets. And I said, see you later. Dude, you know so, why I hate Bigger Pockets? You no, know why? When I was going through the lawsuits, I had multiple people try and extort me. Two in particular. Really? Oh, yeah. I have the emails to prove it, too. So that's why it never really went anywhere. But it went something like this. Give me X amount of dollars. Or I'm going to go on to the Urban Detroit Wholesalers thread. You can still go look this up, folks. It's still there. Just go to Bigger Pockets, type in Jeremy Burgess, Urban Detroit Wholesalers, and you'll see the thread. You will see the thread. And two of the people, um, they actually sent me emails that said that they were going to extort me for X amount of dollars. And if I don't pay it, they're wow. going to go on Bigger Pockets and tell everybody, blah, 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 blah. Wow. All I said was, I appreciate you putting this in writing for me. <laughs> How stupid is that? Yeah. I'll make sure to save it. If you actually want to work this out, let me know. Wow. Uh, otherwise, no, right? And then, so that one of them actually went and posted it. Well, two did, but one actually extorted me and did what they said. One was kind of like milk toast. They kind of get it halfway in between. Um, 
Joshua Dorkin himself came on the thread and basically said, this guy was fuck everybody over. He'll screw you. By the way, I'm going through lawsuits, so I, I literally can't, you can't say, say anything. anything. He went on there himself and started to trash you. No, he, he went on and said, no, you should say more because that's what this community is about. And you should let everybody know about this and all oh that. My if, if you're holding yourself out as a sophisticated investor and the shit hits the fan. Now, I'm not, don't cry a river, folks. I fucked up a lot. I do whatever. I, I'm paying my dues. I'm going to pay my that's dues. That's not what this is about, though. No. You did, I, and maybe I over, I way overreacted to it at the time, but it still bothers me that somebody supposedly that high up would do something like that in that kind of situation. I guess I could have sent him the email or whatever, and I was like, you know what, fuck you. He's not worth it. All I ever do is argue on bigger pockets anyway with a bunch of people who've never bought a house in their fucking life. I don't need it. I'm gone. So. That seems like a pretty petty reason, but I'm going with it. It still annoys me till this day. And the post is still there. Unbelievable. You can, it's still searchable, too. It follows me forever, which is fine. I love it. It makes a good story now. It does make a good story. But at the time, yeah. man, I was spitting nails. I was like, what? My, it's funny. You're like, my world's ending. I literally do like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You can see like the mushroom cloud in the right, background. Right, like, right. I'm going to kill everybody. I'm a, right, like, whatever, right. dude. You're not going to do anything, right? Funny. I just went full retard, right? Yeah. And to this day, that boggles my mind. So I am not a fan of forums. That's one of the reasons. It's funny you said bigger pockets. Oh, my and gosh. I what? can't ever let a bigger pockets opportunity to come. Yeah. I, you know, I like them because I go in. I, I pursue a couple of different strategies for my wholesaling and other stuff. And I always, I like to go on bigger pockets because I see people telling new people the wrong way to do it. And it's yeah. like, cool. Keep doing I'm that. not going to have a competitor. Yeah. That way, so. The good news is Dennis, you don't have competitors anyway. What's that? Good news is you don't really have many competitors anyway. Well, you know, there's some good people in this market. Oh, yeah. And so, which is good. And we all, I think top 1% though, we all fight fair. I think we're, we're all about the deals and you know, it's really interesting. I, you know, you know, and funny, let me take another tangent. And I know we talked about tools. What I, here's the thing, you know, I'm, because I co-wholesale, none of the, none of my partners, Ron or Mike or you guys or any, I've talked to a couple other guys, none of them are exclusive to me. Right. And so occasionally once in a while I'll call Ron or Mike and they've already got called on the lead. Yeah. That happens. Right. Right. It just, it's a fact of business. And so I'm not going to stop there. So if I've called Ron or Mike or you guys, you've got the lead. I'm going to call one of y'all, the rest of you, because I want to be in on this deal. And I had one instance where two of them, two of you guys had gotten in. And so I, the third one represented me, but I'm not going to give up like that. So I, after we closed the deal with my guy, with two of my, two of my, they ended up going to the appointment back to back. And the first one went long and they were both there together. They were smart enough to work together. Yeah. And we got the deal. And so I called um, the other, not the wholesaler that I was working with, but the other one and said, listen, when this happens, we ought to work together on these instead of competing against each other because all we're going to do is drive the price up for the other one. So the fee we get will probably be higher if we all collaborate than it would be if we battle each other and drive the price up another 10 or 20 grand or whatever it's going to be. Zero. I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound like it's a good idea. It's like, you know, it's, it's okay. You can have zero of everything or part of something. What I, what I said. And so, and unfortunately can, with all due respect, I've beaten this guy eight times out of 10 on the next 10 deals that came up. And it's like, I would have been happy for every time we both got the lead to partner up on it and at least get a check. 
right? Because I think the two, whole, you know, working together as a team, we have a better shot at getting the deal than we do by trying to beat each other up and go against each other. Yeah, come in with a lower offer and then a slightly there's, higher. Yeah, there's lots of opportunities to All different ways to play it. All different ways to play it. And I said, you know, it's not optimal or it may not be optimal, but we'll each all get a check. We'll get something out of it instead of walking away with zero. And I've talked to a couple of different guys to try and do that. Again, only in the situations where we bang against each other and none of, nobody wants to do that. It's like, you guys are nuts. I'm not surprised. I, it, that's, that is the... I should have said this when you asked me earlier how I like it being a, a real estate agent. Teamwork exists in the real estate agent world. Yep. I don't, I'm not sure why teamwork – it's not that it doesn't exist in the investor world, but it's it's a lot more rare. I and don't get it. I don't get it. There's there plenty of money to be There should be some made. cooperation, maybe not all the time because we are individual businesses. Absolutely, absolutely. But so are real estate agents, and somehow they can find a way to do a referral, right. to do that, to work with each other, and – to me, that seems like a more a more collaborative way to get a deal done. Yeah, you're not going to get rich on one deal, but volume adds up too, right? It does. How many of those deals do you lose when you bump into each other? Maybe five, ten a year. That could that could really add up. Well, again, you're right, and it's only five five to seven a year that we bump into each other at all. So I'd rather get a check on those than try to, to beat somebody up to try and get it. Because you know, anyway, but. there's benefits to teams, and there's benefits to being alone, and right. I don't know. That does seem a little silly. Well, it would seem to me that you want to, my whole thing is I want to turn, which you're the same way. We want to turn every lead into a check. How can I turn a lead into a check? Yes. Figure out a way to do it. And if it means working with you and I make a little bit less, I still get a check out that I'm good with it, right? It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Because one of us is going to go, go away with nothing. Especially when you've already spent the money. Yeah. Well, and plus, all it's going to do is we're going to bid each, bid each other up. And make less and, anyway. And so you might be able to make the same working together than you would working. I know it's every, math folks. It's, I know this I know. is the problem. It's funny how math works. Nobody could do math. I know. I know. I know. And I'm one of those people who used to not be able to do math. Right. So anyway. I take it easy folks. But it, so it's, it's my, one of my rants, but in terms of tools and stuff, I, you know, I hate bigger pockets. Um, you know what I wish there was, I wish, you know, there are a lot of good podcasts around. Um, I like podcasts. I don't have any, I listen to yours. I liked Mike Simmons a lot when he was doing his, I think he's stopped doing his now. Um, but I like Mike Simmons a lot, good content. What I wish there was, was a directory of podcast episodes. So I want to see what the last, the current thinking is for wholesaling mm. in the last three months. So let, you know, somebody think they can index, not podcasts, but episodes. So maybe this guy did an obscure podcast on wholesaling a month ago that I can get something out of. Um, what I, and I, it just seems like there should be some sort of, episode index function somewhere in the ether that you can go look at. I wish there was, because I like podcasts, but I don't like necessarily, well, I like yours because I'm all about now kind of, kind of grown up a little bit. I like, I love hearing people's stories. I just I get a stories, kick so, out of yeah. people's stories. And I'm, what I'm shocked with, even on some of yours, how many people can't tell their own story in a compelling way. It's like, come on, figure it out. You got a good story here. You know, I mean, you have a great really story. Shy. I They're know really they are. Yeah. I, you got to pull it out of them. Too. That's right. why I like the, I like podcasts where I don't have to, my job's easy, right? Right. Right. <laughs> Just get them talking. I'm good. Right. Right. So, but, um, I, so I wish there was a way to, to, to index podcast episodes so I can go tactically listen to information. And even if people are selling stuff, that's fine. Cause I know there's a, one guy I listened to on this one approach that I haven't tried yet. So I may, may, um, add that to my repertoire, my follow-ups. I'm always trying to 
I'm always trying new things. You know, I'm always experimenting with new ways to do it. Again, I'm clawing for that inch. You know, I'm clawing for that inch, like Al Pacino said in that. Well, especially that in a competitive market, and it's right. only getting more competitive, right. right? So that's that seems pretty smart. Well, let me. You know, let's talk about that for a second. Again, we're getting off topic, but you know, I I, I talked to a new guy uh, yesterday actually, and um, he was talking about different lists to mail to, and I said, "Do you want?" I don't want to talk about specific lists, but there are a number of lists that a lot of investors mail to. Yes. Okay. My point to him was every one of those people on those lists is getting bombarded by five to seven people. At least. At least. Okay. On the publicly, if any list that's publicly available, bank on it. So you need to decide. I know you want to mail to this list. That's totally fine. But do you want to be letter number eight? Guess what? They call. I've talked to people since 2004. Two to three people get a call because everybody thinks that three bids is the number because they'd learned it from when they were three or whatever because they were getting their you know yard landscaping done or whatever. Everybody gets three bids. So if you're, do you want to be letter number eight when they're only calling the top three? What are you going to do to differentiate yourself? Right? And so you can mail all you want to those guys, but unless you're going to do something different, you need to, you need to not mail to them and just be number eight. And nobody listens. They all, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to use a blue postcard and that's going to get my, you know, my response. I say it could be possibly, but possibly not, not likely. No. And so anyway, that's another rant I had, but well, it's um, like the hard, the easier it is to get the list. The, I mean, more people are going to have it. That's just mm-hmm. the harder it is to get the list. The less people are going to have it. The more expensive the list, the less people are going to have it. The harder it is to do the less automated it is. If you found a way where you, you have to, pay somebody to go physically do something there's no other way to do it that's probably a fucking good list well you know the ones you know i I talked to a guy i don't know where he was uh kentucky called me about probates and um uh they have to go to the courthouse i said game over if you got to go to the courthouse, it's the go. best possible way to figure it out. Yeah. It's cost per cost per, per it's like, and they're charging you freaking spend the money, go get them, get everyone you can, because I guarantee you there aren't three other people in your market that are doing that because a, you have to actually go down the courthouse. Oh my gosh, you can't get them online. You know, shocking. Right. And then you have to pay money. Real estate investors are the cheapest SOBs on the planet. Yes. Right. And so you're not going to spend money. So you just mail you me got, checks. I, you have no competition on that <laughs> stuff. So, Anyway, but um, in terms of tools, um, podcasts, I like, uh, you know what a book I read every year is The Magic of Thinking Big um, by a guy's name is Schwartz. Um, my cover's torn off. I've had it since 1983. Covers weren't torn off of it. I read it every year once. It's an amazing book okay. about, and the one thing in there that While I keep, talking, I keep coming back to is his it, it change. I mean, how many books change your life? One for me. Action cures fear. I, you know, I used to be this introverted guy, scared of my own shadow. My parents, like I said, were the most risk-averse people I've ever met, still are. Um, we, we grew up afraid of our own shadows. And then I'm out on my own, and I read this book, and it's like action cures fear. And it's like, that's profound. And I started to, to realize that every, anything I was afraid of, it was afraid of because it was the new thing or it was maybe hard. And if I just did it once... I wouldn't be afraid of it anymore. And it, you know, it sounds, I know it sounds really stupid. No, no, I, that makes sense. You know, but then I, and every, so every time I'd face something again, I'm in my twenties, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things for the first time out of my own and all, I'm, I'm running into a lot of new things I hadn't done before. A lot of things that I, I could either stay in my apartment and just cower out of fear 
Or I could go, all right, action cures fear. So let me act. I may not act right. Changed my life incredibly. And so that's why I read it every year. Um, another book I like um, for the conceptually, and you know, the first part of it, stupid, is the four-hour work week, another one that was totally misconstrued um, in terms of, and the part I liked about that was you build your income to fund the lifestyle that you want. Okay. Everybody else is, most people do it the other way. Right. And they're spending every, every dime they can because they want to support, you know, a lifestyle that's way above what they can afford. I liked his premise. I, the whole stuff about him, he inherited money. That's why he did so well, you know, but I think that's a great book as well. Um, those are the two books I'd recommend. And then the on real estate investing best book I ever read was Keller's book, the millionaire real estate yeah, investor. That's a damn good. Freaking an unbelievable yeah. book. I mean the tables and stuff and the, the charts in the back about how to evaluate rental properties and flips and stuff. I still use a variation of that today. That's when I'm looking deal. at deals. Yeah. I still have the book. I still have the book. I've given away probably six or seven copies of that to other people as gifts when they're new, because that is the, uh, by far and away the best book I've ever read in real estate investing. I wish I would have read that right from the get go. I was like four years in before I read that thing. It was like a kaleidoscope of errors. I'm like, I wish I would have read this book. Yeah. It was around too. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point folks. Before you start, go to Amazon and, Type that shit in and see if you can't find a book first before you go out and do it. That's yeah. a good blueprint. A millionaire really real estate uh, real agent, estate agent that's is a good, good one, too. Good yeah. one. Well, he, yeah. he no, he wrote the book on it, right? Yeah. Literally. So that's awesome. Other than that, Jeremy, success habits. Um, I guess I don't quit. I treat my real estate business like a job. I seriously, that was really huge for me. Um, really focusing on it, and understanding this is a profit making opportunity. It wasn't a hobby. Um, we treat it like a business. Financially, we've got our bank account set up. We have a Brian Browski as a CPA. We have all the stuff. Good dude. We, he's on the podcast too. Brian's awesome. I've been yeah. using him for years and, uh, you know, he's just great. I love him. Um, and also, you know what? Mastermind. You need to, you know, and I don't, again, I love your meeting. I can't get to it on Tuesdays. That's why I don't go. It's usually on Tuesday, right? It's not a mastermind meeting though. Yeah. It's first Tuesday of every yeah. month except July. I can't get, I can't get, to, can't get there on Tuesdays, but. What I've, I've done in the interim is I, I like Ron's meeting. Ron Wallraven's got the meeting the last or the fourth Saturday of the month. I like that because the, the, the membership, the group changes every month. It's not the same people every month. So I get, there's some fresh blood. But plus what I do too, um, I meet with people all the time. Um, and we have little mini masterminds. Waller and I were due for another one. We meet every, about every six weeks. We have coffee. Andrew Kuhn and I meet and I get different perspectives um, I go, I have a, a small scotch and cigar thing at Churchill. So I get a couple guys. We'll go have a couple of scotches, a couple of cigars and do that. But it's all about getting different perspectives. And, and, you know, Wall is not a real estate investor. He's an agent. And so he has a different perspective, but he's brilliant. He's like shockingly good at SEO. He knows the stuff innately. He's amazing. I've learned so much from him. And, um, and the way he does his agent thing is, is really well, is, is, does really well. And I've learned a lot of stuff that I can use on the investing side from him. And plus, I can ask him if I'm being a dick about something and he'll say yes. <laughs> yeah, he'll tell you. Yeah. You know, he really. And, you and, need and, people who will tell you the truth. Well, you're right. And, you know, and I'll do the same for him. You know, we, he came up with a marketing concept I told him I really didn't like. And he goes, well, I really appreciate that. You're the only one that told me that. It's like, well, you, you're not wanting me to be a yes man, right? He goes, no, I want you to be, be truthful. You know, he still used it, but you know, <laughs> you know I do the same thing so, sometimes, so. although I'm much better at taking advice now than I used to be, but you are right. When you said earlier, sometimes you just have to try it anyway. You do. You, you do. do. And so I think masterminds is the other thing too. Like I said, especially if you're new. Um, but the, the thing I caution people, if you're new, don't expect a bunch of experienced people to spend time with you. You know, I, I, I hate to sound like a pretentious dick again, but 
sorry, I don't have time. You yeah. know, I know you want to pick my brain and everything, but you know, I, I mean, let me give you an example, right? So when I started, I took three people to lunch. I took John McAuliffe, the inspector, because I was didn't know anything about real estate. So I met him through Marcus Law. I took him to lunch, hour and a half. I had a great lunch. He didn't touch anything because he talked the whole time. So he took it home, which was great. Got an MBA in, in properties and how to look at properties. Unbelievable. But I bought his lunch. Yeah. Right. And I took two investors as well. Brian Kurtz. Brian Kurtz was a big investor back then as well. He's an agent now down river. Brian's a great guy. I loved him. He was doing some amazing things. Took him to lunch. What are you doing, Brian? Can you help me? You know, point me in the right direction. Not asking what are your secrets. Kind of, I'm getting, I'm new at this. What do you think? Brian is awesome. I just love him. We're still friends on Facebook. And another guy that since left the area, I took him to lunch as well. Again, same thing. How, you know, how should I do this? How should I get started? And they were all pleased as punch to, to help me out because I bought him lunch. Yeah, you're leading with value. You weren't asking for free shit, right? Well, but I made it clear to him. I said, listen, respect your time, hour and a half. I'll buy you lunch. I just want to ask you a few, few questions. Um, Eric Brown did the same thing. I took him to lunch twice, actually, when I was buying my first apartment building. It worked amazing. What I don't do, I had, you know, this person call me um, a couple weeks ago. I want to collaborate on a deal with you. Let's, can you, can you get together with us? They, they wanted me to give them all my letters and stuff. It's like, I'm not going to create another Man, competitor. No. And so I said, listen, I'm going to be at Ron's meeting on Saturday. It, it was, it was actually the week before Ron's meeting. If you want, well, let's, but let's spend some time after chit chatting. I'll be there. You know, Ron's got a great meeting. It's an hour and a half or two hours long. We can chit chat. I can help you point you in the right direction. They didn't show. No. Yeah. Never. They never do. You know, it's like, come on, meet me halfway at least. Right. So, but masterminding is huge. I think even for new people, find it, find people that running people, you don't need to share tactics and strategies and stuff, but it helps to bounce what you're doing off other people. So you can get some good feedback. If the same letter shows up to the same house and they're identical folks, it doesn't work. Well, this is why it's a lot of people. It just doesn't work. It has, it has to sound like you. It has to be from you. And you don't want the same thing showing up to the house. That's why a lot of these people go to these guru boot camps. They all send out the same letter, the same postcard. They all do it for three months or something like that. And quit. Everybody gets the same card. Nobody calls it. Cause you, you got to do you, we could take you to the water. You got to drink yourself. You got to write your own shit. Tell you exactly what to do. Even when I did my six part wholesaling series, I gave you an idea what to write. I didn't tell you exactly what to write. I would not be doing you a service if I gave you the exact thing and you sent it out. And then the three or four are the same thing. And that's a lose, lose, lose proposition. Well, plus Everybody you, lose. Plus if you're doing it right, somebody else can't use your letter. Yeah. Because and and my stuff I send out they can't because I it's, I, I personalize it is a little bit about me but also about them and I actually had somebody rip my stuff off and I'm suing them and they're gonna be writing me a really big check here pretty Good. soon because because I because I, really the federal copyright law is pretty cool and it's got they signed it with their name and it's my exact letter so it's not like they can get it they didn't understand or anything that like wasn't that. very smart no folks. it wasn't Don't, so if you're thinking about doing that. It's not that hard to write a letter. It's not. It's not that hard. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Who are you? How do they get a hold of you? And what, Not necessarily in that order. What's your competitive advantage? Yeah. Talk about what, can what you do you that different? somebody else maybe can't do. Seriously. Yeah. And don't lie. There you go. Oh, my god. Throw that one in there. Oh, my god. I do 10 deals. And Lead with that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a billion dollars in the bank. You, <laughs> right. you buy your house in two minutes. No, right. don't do any of that shit. I know. I love these guys. Yeah, I can close tomorrow. I was just going through with another guy in our market who's uh, 
you know, what, what drives me nuts about this wholesaling thing is that, um, I love my partners. I do. Um, there's another guy in the market right now who's making offers way too high. I mean, just stupidly high and he's not planning to close on him if he can't sell them. So he, so he's, he's given us all a really bad name. He's a newer, newish guy to the market. And I said, I can't believe he's doing this stuff, but he doesn't care. He doesn't have the integrity to really want to close on a deal. He thinks cause he got it under contract at a, at a, at almost retail that he's going to be able to wholesale. It doesn't work that way. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily understanding the definition between retail and wholesale. Then if he's doing that, cause they're specific, you no, know, but the thing is it's happened. I mean, I've, I've kind of followed some of these and they always fall out. It's like, but it's like you, you think after the first three or four, you kind of understand what's going on. It just, it's amazing. It's, Hey, I can say from personal experience, never underestimate how stupid someone could be. <laughs> And I look and you look in the mirror. On yeah, that I, I could do something dumb for a long time if I'm not careful. So uh, anyway, was there anything we didn't talk about oh that you gosh, want to I, talk about? I don't think so. Um, I would like to just not pitch something, but just again, say that if you're in a middle market, I, I'm looking for more folks to partner with in terms of uh, doing my direct mail. It's going really well. I've got a really good process. Um, I'd love to partner with you. Um, again, I don't want big markets. I mean, I had somebody call me from Austin, Texas, and it's like, I'm not sure I want to do that. Too much competition, but more middle markets, you know, second tier markets in terms of population. Um, I'd love to, love to talk to you. Um, I think it'd be fun to do that. Um, again, I spend the money on the marketing. I spend the money on the mailings. Um, I take the calls. I highly qualify them, get motivation. And then I send you warm leads. Pretty, I think pretty compelling. I'd say that is compelling. Pretty compelling. So if they want it, to do this. They go to DennisFacet.com, <laughs> right? right? I keep forgetting to do that. I'm not yeah, really pitching I'm good anything. At the so, word. I'm not going to let, so, let it go. So, yeah. And I'm on, I'm on Facebook too. I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook and I'm not on Snapchat though. So <laughs> like I'm still figuring that out. It's really <laughs> early. So I do have an Instagram account. You know, the funny thing is, is now when all these things come up, I have to go hurry up and go on there to get my name. Yeah, just get your name. You know. Then wait and see it's what like, happens. It's like, I don't know what Snapchat is. It's like. Yeah, you don't know what's going to rise to the top <laughs> and what's going to die. I know. I went and got Pinterest and I have a couple boards. on. It's like Scott Sullivan, Dave Sullivan doing amazing things with Pinterest. It's like crazy. I need to talk to him again. He's awesome. He's Actually, good. I want to. That's a good. I want I need to get you and Dave on the podcast. So that'd be a good. I think that would that'd be a good mesh well sometime. I love him. He's just great. Yeah. You know, have you ever thought about doing a, a team thing? I mean. Sullivan, Daniels, Waller, me. I mean, how fun would that be? I, it is, I haven't put it together, but I've talked to Steve about multiple times because yeah. some people just really jive together. Yeah. And as soon as you said Dave, I was like, that would be a good oh, I love combo. Dave. I love Dave. That so. Would be, so, yeah, no, I will put it on the list because one thing I want to do, and I haven't been as good about it, is mixing up the podcast a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to be a slave to a format, right? Because it can right. get stale or old. I want to mix it up and throw some... You know, get some, you know, if you've got you and Dave and other people, I've done a few times with like Steve and Calper. Yeah. I love those podcasts. Those are great. When multiple the people are chiming good, in. Yeah. 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 You just need to make sure people work well together. Right. So, well, Sullivan and I have Philmont stories too. We can go to, we went to Philmont together with our kids. That'd be awesome. So, good story. And my son just got his Eagle, by the way. So awesome. Isn't that cool? That is so awesome. Yeah. That I'm. I'm so happy I did that. He must be ecstatic. He is. Yeah, I knew you were an eagle. That's why I wanted to bring it yep. up. So well finally did it. it. Finally well did it. it. You know, it's funny. Um, he was embarrassed as heck to say to anybody he was a Boy Scout until he got his eagle. Now it's like, oh, I'm an Eagle Scout. Now it's, now it's really cool. It's really funny how that works. Dude, so, I, I literally was bullied 
in school for being a eagle for being a Boy Scout. Really? Before I was even yeah, I was I was harassed. I was assaulted actually once. Really? It was yeah. that bad. For I went to a lot of bad schools. Mm. When you move around the entire world, you're just gonna land in some shitty places and some shitty schools. And if you're I know you're listening, if you're ever the smart kid who who has things don't want to interrupt class. You're on the ball. Yeah. You, you, you just want to do good things yeah. and you like camping and you like learning, which quite frankly, for a boy, the Boy Scouts is pretty fucking it's awesome. Pretty, it's freaking awesome. You go out, yeah. you start fires, you get to play with knives, you get to shoot guns, guns bow and arrows, yeah. you can hunt, you can go, you know, merit badges is oh so nerdy. No, it's like you get to learn a bunch My of son cool won things. At the summer camp, he won the bow and arrow thing yeah. two years ago. So it was awesome. Summer camp, yeah. which I know sounds gay as fuck, but it's oh fun. God, it's I went to Garmisch, Germany twice for two weeks. That's so great. four. Four weeks all together, summer camp. Yeah. Got to do high adventure, all these wonderful things. Yeah. yeah. Politics experience. aside, wonderful experience. Yeah. Learning how to, I almost wasn't Eagle Scout either. I mean, right down to the last. Him too. Yeah. He's going to be 18 in the fall. He just got it. So. Well worth doing. Put it together. Yeah. Hard work. You have it forever. And it just felt good. So, well, congrats to your son. That's awesome. You know, and it's, we were looking at the numbers and there's only 2 million, I think, ever. Yeah. It's such an exclusive club. It's, it's an amazing. accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment. Especially you got to consider how young and stupid you are then. To get through it like that? I would think I was stupid 10 years ago. I should see how I stupid know, I was I 20 years well, ago. Well, his counselor really helped. He had a, his Jay Flaherty, a good friend of ours, was his, his, his uh, ego counselor and just really helped him and motivated him. Didn't do it for him. He did it all himself, but he really motivated him to do it. So it's just fantastic accomplishment. So I know you get a kick out of that since you're an Eagle as yeah, well. No, I so. really do. And quite frankly, I think there needs to be more mentorship with young men and those things are dying. Now, a lot of them need to die because they weren't that good, but then we need to fill in the spaces for young mentorship for men. It's like all this effort went to women and the right. men just got tossed aside. Right. We're not the same. And I We're end up crying about Bernie it. Sanders supporters. Yeah. You're not the same. <laughs> Quit crying hair. about yeah. it. I don't care how you identify. Yeah. It was people like different things. And that was a, that played a huge role in my life. It That's gave me awesome. a lot of direction. It gave me, quite frankly, an awesome place to go in a not so awesome environment a lot of times. Right. Right. I was, I don't know. I loved it. I, someday I want to get back involved in it. I don't know how That's or great. why. So congrats to him. I'm really glad he did that. Yeah. He's going to look back 10 years and be like, I'm really glad I did that too. He so is. that's is. awesome. Did I miss anything? Or are we? I think we covered about everything and then some. All right. Folks, I want to thank my guest, Dennis Fassett. Definitely go check him out. If you're thinking, you have to be active. Dennis wants somebody who has, who has wholesale before, has done real, or at least has some real estate experience, not a total ass clown willing to work, <laughs> and you're in a small, give him a call. Or no, go to DennisFassett.com. Check him out. Definitely go do that. Um, D E N N I S F A S S E T T dot com. Dennis Facet dot com. This will be in the show notes. And folks, if you enjoy this podcast and you find it helpful, share it with your friends. Give it a like. And if you haven't already, uh, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcaster, whatever, SoundCloud, whatever you're using. I uh, really appreciate it. And that's really the, besides listening and sharing, that's really the only thing that helps. And the people who have been, uh, I think I'm up to 15 now. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. If you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. Soon, these videos will be up on YouTube as well. You go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. That's about two weeks, folks. And it's going to be slow. It's going to be lagging too. So better to listen here 
and it'll be on YouTube. It's probably going to take me four to six months to catch up with all of them. All right. I apologize for that. Anyway, hit me up on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, at Jeremy Burgess. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know. I do it every week. I need to do it for myself, too. It's much for me for you. All right? I know there are distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, all sorts of things. Life's not fair. Pick some goals. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer to your goals, even every if it's one day. step. Every day. Every day. Or as we say in Detroit, every day. <laughs> All right. And thank you for listening. I really appreciate your attention. I know you could be doing lots of other things right now. I really do appreciate you listening in until the next podcast. Crush it.